Good to have you along here at 3 and Out on this Monday. He's Ben Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. So much to get to coming off of draft weekend. Uh, ben, a lot of wild things happening. And, of course, the uh, the NFL, again, has done a tremendous job of getting us to tune in, buy in, and care about uh, people sitting up there going, and when the 175th pick out of Montana State, so-and-so selects. Oh, I can't believe that. It's like knowing that. 99.99% of the people, I mean, there were people who were going, why are the Falcons drafting linebackers out of Western Kentucky? When 99.9% of the people watching, Ben, have probably not watched a single Western Kentucky game uh, at the end of the day. But initial thoughts on overall Falcons, Jags, how do you think they did maneuvering the draft? I, I think, Kevin, I mean, I agree with what you said. We we already know the the – it's uh, yeah, skeptical, spectacle, whatever you want to call it, known as the NFL draft. But what makes it intriguing is, one, I was outside of our top ten challenge, in which, I mean, Kevin, at the first three, I was like, you know, Kevin's looking like the guru. And then you just you just don't know. But it's the, it's the, what makes the draft is, you know, after the top, you know, 100-something picks, you start getting the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh round, and you start going, oh, I didn't know he went there, or oh, they got him right there, or – Oh, why did they get this? And I will give the fans a lot of credit. The fans are very, very up to speed on what team needs. The fans are very, very up to speed on who can definitely help this team. But let's face it. When you start talking about the North Dakota states and the southwestern Missouris, and look, y'all, y'all have no clue who these people are. Starting with, I want to say, the 28th overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. The young man, Mr. Strange, out of Chattanooga. Now, most of us have been to Chattanooga. You've never seen him play. And, when, and, I mean, it was a strange pick, and his last name is strange, and he is a first-round pick going to going to uh, New England. But the, the draft does it every year, Kevin. You start getting into these rounds, you have guys that's never played that get drafted. You got guys that have played that go undrafted. You got It's these storylines that be attached to some of these players. I want to say uh, Cam Hayward's little brother got drafted by Pittsburgh, so not him. So now he – so Cam Hayward's like, well, finally he can stop asking me for money. He can make his own money right. now. But but uh, I, I, I will say that what the, the draft does always live up to it. What conference is going to have a lot of picks? I know we're going to get to the University of Georgia with their record-setting 15. Cincinnati had nine picks. Nine. So when people start talking about, I, listen, I know it is the year of the dogs. I'm taking nothing away from them. But the Bearcats, number one, Georgia had the number one overall pick. The Bearcats had the fifth. No, they had the fourth. Sam Gardner, I mean, uh, Sam Gardner, Sauce Gardner <laughs> went fourth overall. I mean, you know, Desmond Ritter ended up, you know, became a Falcon. So I, I think that when you think about, you know, the different teams that did a lot for themselves as far as recruiting Georgia's Georgia, you know, I want to say uh, LSU had 10, but Cincinnati had nine. Well, people think Cincinnati, come on, man. There's a the reason th- they were in the playoffs. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I, I will say at the end of the day, it definitely lived up to it. And, Kevin, it's going to be like this time next year, right? Think about this. As soon as, the, as, soon as, the, uh, as, soon as you know, the World Series happened, the, uh, the, the way too early rankings of 2022, they come out. As soon as the NFL, you know, uh, was Super Bowl, the early, the way too early. As soon as it was over, the mock draft twenty twenty three was already out. Why? Because we're gonna look at it. What they got him going <laughs> number ten? We don't know who's gonna go where outside the fact that Bryce Young and Will Anderson is probably gonna be somewhere in that top yeah, two yeah. or three. But uh, no, I think it definitely lived up to it. I think uh, at the end of the day, it is three days now. If it was seven days, I think you would still get you would still get the viewership because 
Hey man, everybody want to have their moment. Some kid, I want to say, um, I think he went to, uh, I think he went to like USF or something like that. Got drafted to Tampa. You know, I mean, so hey, it, it was crazy to me. I just think that at the end of the day, we're attached to these players. Is it, is it Tariq Carpenter? Because mm-hmm. uh, I had to get his Georgia Tech. So I'm just saying, and I and I would say, I want to say, and this is crazy. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think is the only Oregon, Oregon Duck that got drafted. Now he went five overall, but he's the only one. So, hey, shout out to all the players that got drafted. Even if you went undrafted free agency. You know, a lot of players went there, but uh, it, it it still lived up to it. Kevin, I mean, surprise, surprise, the SEC had the most players drafted. You know what? Sixteen, I want to say, sixteen years in a row. That's that's not a surprise, but uh, a lot a lot of question marks. A lot of oh, a lot of oh, he didn't. Jalen Watermeyer, tight out at Texas A&M, did went undrafted. And I just think that uh, I just think that you know a guy that was had so much promise, you know. It, it's crazy to me. I know, I know we're gonna get to Mr. Nicobe Dean, yeah. but certain guys land in nice spots. It is the NFL draft. It is it is theater from pick one to Mr. Irrelevant. It certainly is. And again, the uh, Georgia with 15 players taken in the draft. That's a record uh, from one school. 65 players from the SEC. Ben, as you mentioned, uh, that is the most again of any conference in in the draft in in 2022. So the SEC continued to dominate. But the storylines inside the draft, the drama, I know you have said multiple times, I hate saying players slide in the draft. But I don't know what else you would say about N'Kobe Dean uh, other than he slid. First-round talent, third-round injury report, I guess, is what teams were saying. Hey, this is a guy that comes into the league. If he's healthy, Ben, is going to be a big-time playmaker, has an opportunity to earn himself a lot of money uh, in the course of his NFL career. But had the pectoral muscle, I mean, Talking about first-round talent, did not go till into the third round. It wasn't like the top pick of the third. He was into the third round uh, a little bit. Do you call that a slide? Uh, I know you hate using that term, but what do you think the metrics are there on Kobe Dean that a guy that was arguably, depending on who you talk to, the best player on that Georgia defense? And I know people will say, well, how do you argue who's the best player when they complemented each other so well? And, uh, you know, were, were they been as effective if they weren't all on the same defense, who's to say? But a guy that many people thought might have been the best individual player on that defense didn't go until the third round. It, it was a head scratcher. And I and I, I don't like that the injuries come out after the draft. Obviously, those are things we weren't privy to. Uh I know he had, I knew he didn't have the best pro day. I know uh he was kind of battling through injuries to get to through his pro day. And Kevin, you know just like I know, whenever you step out there, man, they're gonna go off that. Man. They're not going to say, oh, he was here on a bum ankle or torn peg. And, but I will say this about N'Kobe Dean. That's different than, than, his, than his teammate, Javon Walker. Javon Walker was number one overall. Javon Walker was not an all-conference player. Javon Walker was not an all-American. Javon Walker didn't win any awards. Javon Walker won the, he, he, he won the national championship. Now, Jordan Davis won a bunch of awards. N'Kobe Dean won the, won the Buckers Award. He was an all-American. He was an all-SEC. And he was all over the film. Like, the thing, the thing that scares me about the National Football League is, is what you say, Kevin. What are they looking at? Javon Walker made some flash plays. I get that. Everybody makes a flash play here and there. Javon Walker had what? Five, six sacks. He had nine and a half career sacks in three years. Nine and a half. I am not, but he's also 6'5", 275, running 4'5", Now, we, are, we already know that it's a 37% success rate uh, in, the, in the first round. I don't even want to know what it is across the entire draft. But if N'Kobe Dean can't play football, then they don't exist. If you were watching Georgia in 2021, 
That middle linebacker known as Kobe Dean was all over the field. He did not come off. He made flash plays, and some could. It's not argument. He was the best player on defense, right? He might not was the most impactful. That could have been. That could have been Jordan Davis. But Javon Walker goes number one overall. So one guy won the buckets, number one best, considered the best uh, linebacker you know in the country, all American, and all saying, And that list goes on and on. And I think, but Kevin, this is the thing. I don't think uh, tr- uh, tr- uh, I don't think uh, Nicole Dean is six feet tall. He might be five eleven. I mean, but, but, but and I want to get your thought because everybody around the draft was, oh, there, there's concerns about the torn pec, the torn pec, and, and and injuries. I mean, those things heal, right? I mean, when you've seen what he can do when he's healthy. I mean, are injuries that big of a concern in the National Football League that you could take a first town ground talent and you can talk yourself off of that player for two and a half rounds? I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, because again, a torn pec is a big thing. If you're, if I'm an offensive lineman and my my pec tore muscle is torn, if that don't heal right and I don't rehab right and I don't get the strength back, well, my whole job is pushing guys off of me with those pecs. How big of a deal is one injury like that? Maybe it's a collection of a couple of things. I know we had maybe battled a, a few nagging things at Georgia, but one injury leading up to the draft that's going to talk you down three into the third round. Yeah, because it just depends on what that injury is and how much and how much that that whatever that torn muscle is as it pertains to that player's uh you know availability. When you talk about a guy like Nicobe Dean, right? They're saying this. You was in the SEC. The SEC is not the NFL. It is the closest thing to it, but it is not the NFL. Those guys that you went up against in the SEC are going to be very similar, if not the same, to the guys you're going to be going up against. And you're dealing with injuries now. Now, that's going up against certain guys who are good. Not everybody you go, not everybody you go up against in the league is good. Them guards, that's going to come up to you. Them tight ends. Go. So I think what they're saying is we're afraid to get a first-round pick on you because we want you to be an impact player. So if I can get quality down in the draft, so be it. And 32 other teams decided to wait to the to – the, uh, I know the Eagles eventually got them, but it scared all the teams away. Like, you know, it only takes one. But they're saying, look, if he's coming into the league with injuries, how much, how much is he going to have to play through that? Because you're going to have to play through it some in the National Football League. And, Kevin – you know, how much of it is an injury is an injury? Because I think what it was, it was at his pro day, and we find out after the draft he had a torn pec. So whoever drafts him, he's going straight to the training room before he even put on the pads again. But I still think that Kobe Dean was good enough to be, you know, at least a second-round pick, if not a, if not a first round. But he, he went to the third round, went to a good spot. i give you another name that we ain't talked about, Justin Ross. Justin Ross burst onto the scene. What three, four years ago against uh in the national championship against one Alabama and had one of the best games we ever seen from a freshman. And the injuries hit. He went undrafted. And I, I think he's still I think he's still a free agent because people are scared to touch him. Injuries will push you down farther than anything ever could. Travon Walker just showed you that if you are a physical freak at the combine, you can go number one overall. You know, and so I, I just think that for me, Kevin, yeah, Nicobe Dean is a head scratcher, but it's a bunch of head scratches in the draft. I mean, if you really look at it. You know, and I know we're going to get to my Falcons, our Falcons, your Falcons. We, we love them. But, you know, they took Drake London, which at no fault of his own. And then a bunch of receivers came off, five to be exact, right. came off right after him. So then he was going to go with some, some. But it goes back to what you said. Is he the best of the, is he the, best of the bunch? And, you know, hey, maybe they're trying to get bigger. But, I mean, Alave, Williams, you know, Wilson, you know, I mean, Traylon Burks. I mean, he played in the freaking SEC. So, but – uh. Like I said, the draft, headlined by Georgia. SEC did what it did. Cincinnati, nine players. Uh, freaking Georgia's punter. 
got freaking picked in the fourth round. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying. Yeah. I, so I will say, but the draft definitely lived up to it. It shows why, you know, f- uh, you know, football is still the creme de la creme as far as like American yeah. American sports, taking nothing away from the other, you know, pro sports. And uh, like I said, Kevin, 2023, we will have – you know, a front yeah. row seat to the top 10, maybe top 15 again. We'll, we'll get to the Falcons pick coming up here in just a little bit. And uh, home team Brandon Leak will join us coming up this hour uh, to talk about those Falcons. But uh, before we get into that, Ben, and look specifically at what they did. Overall, just give me an overall grade for Falcons. How do you think they drafted? A I, through F. How, how you I, 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 give, I give them a B only because at the end of the day, every last one of those guys they brought, they brought in could definitely be uh, – and I give them a B more for De- for the Desmond Ritter uh, than the Drake London. They addressed a lot of needs. I think everybody's going to be key contributors. And, Kevin, they won the perception battle. That if, if Marcus Mariota does indeed stick up the joint, at least they got another, you know, uh, rookie to kind of put in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what about the Jags? Give me your quick grade on Jacksonville. Obviously, they had the number one pick. They traded back into the first round. Grade uh, Trent Baalke and company. I know they caught a lot of criticism about what they did and did not do. Grade Trent Baalke and what they did. During the draft, I, I I I give him a solid C plus. I think I think that Trevon Walker is always. I'm gonna have to wait and see, but I've never seen a number one overall pick. I mean, I understand upside, but you didn't make an All Conference team. You didn't make you know uh, you didn't make an award list. You didn't make an All American list. And in your career, you had nine and a half sacks, and you played right beside you know Qu- you know you played with Quay Walker, you played with Nicobe Dean, you played with Jordan Davis, you played with White, you played with four other first rounders, and seeing back there safety, and you only. So for me, I, I'm gonna give him a C plus. And they, they, I think Devin Lloyd into the first round was well, a nice was pick. A really, really good pick. I mean, a really, really good pick in, in, in the second, the second. But, but that's the thing too. I just think that at the end of the day, Kevin, if you are you know GMX picking a guy like Javon Walker, I need return on investment right now because he's gonna be an opening day starter. Yeah, we'll get more the, with that coming up a little bit later on the show. We'll come back. We'll take a look deep inside this Falcons draft and what they were able to do during draft weekend. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Monday. Again, you can catch us uh, ESPNCoastal.com. Also live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can see us broadcasting live there. Send us your thoughts and comments uh, online or at Pigskin Radio there on Twitter. We'll chat with home team Brandon Lee, host of home team Hamilton. We'll look at the uh, the Falcons draft. Uh, ben, but let's look at it. You get Drake London, wide receiver there in the first round. A lot of folks said, did you reach? I mean, obviously, was that the right wide receiver? Round two, had a couple of picks. You go with Arnold Ebikiti, uh from Penn State. I probably butchered that, that man's last name. I, uh, I apologize. I think it's Ibakiti. Ibakiti, goodness gracious. Troy Anderson got a linebacker from Montana State in round two. A lot of people saying, boy, N'Kobe Dean was there. You go Montana State. But apparently, a guy has numbers that Falcons liked and some other guys. Uh, round three, you get Desmond Ritter, quarterback at Cincinnati. And you go another linebacker, D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky. So I know Falcons fans just watching Twitter, Ben, they were melting down. Nicobe D's there, and you just went Montana State and Western Kentucky. No round, uh, no pick in round four. Round five, they get Tyler Allgaier out of uh, BYU, Justin Schaefer in the sixth round out of Georgia, and John Fitzpatrick uh, out of Georgia in the sixth round, uh, tied in as well. So uh, why don't Falcons draft Georgia guys? Well, I, they just did. So uh, <laughs> there was some of that going. So a little bit of everything, but. Then, as you said, you're on the roster and you see teams drafting guys that play your position. Should you get nervous? Yes. Tyler Allgaier out of BYU, fifth-round pick. And today, Mike Davis, they said, appreciate you, big man, but you're gone. 
Yeah, Kevin, and 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 uh, that's the uh, that's the unfortunate uh, realization of the draft is it's supposed to be enjoyable for the people that's currently in the National Football League watching it, and then you look up and they and you know you look up and if you are you Deion Jones, you know I mean they getting they getting uh, you know uh, Arnold you know uh, Ebikiti, uh, uh you know second round out of our DN slash linebacker out of Penn State, then they sec- they they second second round pick pick number fifty eight they getting Troy Anderson linebacker out of Montana State they're trying to get younger so this is what the Falcons did. In free agency, they addressed the offense, right? They went out there, they re-signed Cordell Patterson, right? They'll go out there and, they, and they'll get all, you know, you know, all the key in those guys, all the key in those guys. Uh, they want to be able to get, you know, they want to be able to get some help. Then they were saying, all right, they still need a number one. What was going to be their number one overall pick? Drake London. Now, for those people saying that's a bad pick, nope, it's not a bad pick because five receivers went behind him. So, it, so somebody was going to get them, and I think they want to try to, they want to try to chew up his offense. And uh, a guy like Drake London is is in a similar mode and build as a Kyle Pitts, you know, six five. Kyle Pitts is six five, has six six. You got two guys that can definitely stretch the field, and both on Ricky on Ricky deals. When you talk about being able to get depth, I mean, get depth. I mean, who was going to be? We knew that Marcus Mariota was a was a was a was a he was a piece, not a centerpiece. Desmarida makes it so that Marcus Mariota knows. Look, man, he's not a first round pick; he's a third round pick. Is Kevin something you said? Either he could be the future. Or he could be the president. That will be up to Marcus Mariota and how he plays. And Kevin, sometimes you want to get a fan base somebody to root for. The, the most loved person on the football team, just like the most loved person on, uh, whether that's the pros or in college, is the backup quarterback. Why? Because he ain't done nothing yet. And in our mind, oh, he can do better than the guy that's in there. So I do think that's a nice pickup getting a guy like Desmond Ritter who had bottom of the first round type grade. You talk about you talk about a guy, you know. You talked about a, a guy like Justin Schaefer coming offers to go out of Georgia. That's adding depth late in the draft, really, really late in the draft. I'm adding depth, and then you talk about you know a, a guy like John Fitzpatrick. You need another tight end, right? I mean, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst has moved on, so you need you need to add another tight end because a guy like Kyle Pitts, let's face, he's not. But he's you're not, not asking John Fitzpatrick to catch passes. No, you're yeah, not. Yeah. Not you. You want to you, you want to make sure that a guy like uh, like Kyle Pitts is, is there for all 17 games. So when it comes to the running game, you put in certain packages. If you're going too tight, maybe you run into the you run, maybe you run to the Fitzpatrick side. And like I said, you add depth late in the draft. You you address. We, we talked about we talked about you needed a defensive end, right? So what you do is you go to get you go get a guy like Art. You know, I, I want to say his name, Arnold Epikiti. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have yeah, to talk to, talk to I'm PJ. Gonna, I'm gonna have to talk to I want PJ. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, in the break, but you get a guy to play defensive end slash linebacker, right? I mean, they brought over Lorenzo Carter, another Georgia guy. From from um from uh from the New York Football Giants on a one year deal, right? So you add depth there. Then you talk about a guy you know like Tony Anderson from Montana State. These guys are multi They can play linebacker and they obviously can rush the passer. Because Kevin, you know now I got to get cheap. I got to get listen. While I'm paying less, I need to get more. I'm paying these guys to be second round picks, but I need a lot out of them because they're young guys. We're trying to get younger, trying to get cheaper. I give I give uh, Terry Fondo a lot of credit because we didn't know how the draft was gonna go for them. They needed everything. They still need a safety. I was just saying the defensive picks were all basically interior guys. Inter- yeah, yeah. yeah. There's linebackers and, and then yeah. end. everything else was on the offensive side here. I think too, Kevin. What they're, what they're saying is, what is harder to develop? Guys that have to play on the outside, who's going up against the most elite athletes on the field, or guys that play kind of like in a in a in a box. Put the guys in the box. You know that front seven. Let those guys get half of the quarterback. I don't care what if you teach a defensive end or an outside linebacker nothing else. If you got if you got to master one skill, get. 
to the quarterback. I don't because when people go, he had a hundred tackles. How many sacks did he have? Three. I, no, no. I rather switch it. Give me double digit sacks and forty tackles. Learn how to set the edge because Kevin, you know, in this division, no, no, in football, period, the two number one, the, the top three of the top five picks were defensive ends: Javon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson. Kayvon Thibodeau. That's one, two, and that's one, two, and five. That lets me know you got to be able to get after these dudes. What the, well, well, people say, well, wait a minute, Ben. Well, who were the third and fourth picks? That would be <laughs> Derek Stingley Jr., Sauce Gardner. So the first five picks in the draft were all defense. All defense first five picks in the draft. That lets you know you got to be able to have quality guys either covering these receivers or getting after the QB. I mean, so I I, I think Terry Fontenot did a good job. I mean, it's the Falcons, Kevin. You know how it is. We going we are more. I, when people say, who's the most loved team in the state of Georgia for a professional team? The Braves. Who's the most scrutinized team? The Falcons. More than the Hawks? Yes. Way more than the Hawks. Like, the Hawks is just a bonus. The Hawks is a nice <laughs> dessert. Like, we got a nice meal, and we're going to bring out the – So, but I will give Terry Fondo some credit because Desmond Ritter in the third round is a quality pick, especially when a lot of people had him slated to go uh, to go into the, uh, the top 32. Yeah, and I, we'll talk more about uh, him coming up uh, in, in take three. They did address the quarterback, but you look at uh, the other areas on offense. Wide receiver, we talked about that with Drake London. Uh, is that the long view pick? You get Allgaier out of BYU, so you get a couple of skill guys uh, go along with your, with a quarterback. Yes, and some guys that you need to put your hand in the dirt. I don't know how much Justin Schaefer, Schaefer is expected to play. Probably not very much uh, would be my guess. Uh, at the end of the day, Ben, uh, he gets in if somebody gets banged up on the uh, on the interior of that offensive line. John Fitzpatrick, a guy that, as you said, will probably as a six round pick. Need to be used, yes. not as a guy that's going to go out there and try to play one-two, you know, off of Kyle Pitts, but a guy that's going to need to be used. So uh, you got usable pieces in the draft. I think you look at it and people say, are they impact guys mm-hmm. or are they developmental guys? And people say developmental. Yes, you still develop at the National Football League level. I mean, people looked at the AJ Terrell, AJ Terrell, developmental NFL guy, first round pick. Started right away, really didn't come into his own until he had had a full year under his belt. And people said, I don't know. Could we be looking at the same thing with Drake London, where year one, you might be going, this is the guy? That's the number one receiver? Our first pick? You, have, I think he's going to be extra scrutinized, ben, as we said last week, because he was the first wide receiver off the board, which means the Falcons could have taken anybody. And that means he was their number one guy on the board. So the guy you 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 scouted and developed, he fits your system. I think he needs to have a nice season I don't know if year one, if it's going to be that way. He might be a developmental first round where the team's bad. He might not be great. And then you hope in year two, he takes a big step forward. And I think that's probably, if we're honest with ourselves, what they're saying about a lot of these guys. I think round two, uh, young man from Penn State, they probably hope he's impact right out of the gate. But everybody else, Ben, I don't don't see as as somebody that you drafted that's going to come in and just set it on fire. I mean, the track record recently of top wide receivers, you, you, hey, he's going to have 1,300 yards. I don't know if I'm expecting that from Drake London in year number one coming into the Falcons. No, but Drake London is going to get a lot of opportunities because of where he got picked. Let's call it what it is. He's the number eight overall pick. He's going to get a lot of opportunities to go out there and show what he can do. Uh, he's going to have to prove that he's passed that injury. I mean, he, every time, every every catch you've seen him, Kevin, is contested. But big body you know, can definitely go up and get it at his highest point. Going to have to see how fast he is. I mean, the, the the jury is out on how fast he is. But, you know, guys you know, guys like, you know, I mean, guys like Troy Anderson, he's going to get a chance to compete. You're a second-round pick. You're going to get a chance to compete, right? Desmond Ritter get to learn behind a guy like Marcus Mariota, 
right? Uh, you know, you know, Tyler Tyler Al- Algier, he should know right now we are taking you seriously because the starter just got let go. So that's going to give you an opportunity. And I think a guy like, you know, I, I mean, I, here's the thing too, though, Kevin. I mean, you think a guy like Justin Schaefer. Look, come out of training camp, man. If you're the best guy, if you, if it's close between a veteran and a rookie, I go with the rookie. It shouldn't be close. But I think what they did, they got a bunch of guys that are going to push the guys in front of them. That's what you want. Now, I don't think, I don't think uh, you know, Fitzpatrick is going to push Kyle Pitts, but he's going to make him become a more well-rounded tight end because Fitzpatrick is more of a – a hand in the dirt tight end. Kyle Pitts is the you move around, you know, athletic tight end. But you've added depth. And the fact that you got two linebackers slash defensive ends, that means that whoever's at those positions now, Deion Jones, you guys should feel very, very nervous because as of late, you know, a lot of money being paid, not as much as you know, not as much as far as like return on that investment. So Kevin, I mean, I think it's good you address a lot of needs both in the offseason and the draft. Now you got to see how it come come mini camp and training camp. Again, Falcons with a uh, host of picks. How did they play West home team? Brandon Leak, his thoughts on this Falcons draft. When we return, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Monday. The Falcons draft is over. They go and get a quarterback there in the third round. How does this draft class pan out here moving into 20? 22 joining us here host of the home team in hamilton show there in atlanta home team brandon leak joins his home team welcome to the show how are you doing just fine guys how you guys doing today hey we're doing fantastic uh now that folks have had you know the weekend to sleep on it uh get their thoughts sorted out how do you think most atlanta fans feel about uh the falcons draft here now they've had a few days to kind of let it soak in they should be feeling pretty well in my opinion i think that the falcons were able to get uh, two-for-ones with just about every pick. That's to say they got the best player that, that they deemed available at the time, and they also feel the position of need. I think that, you know, you can always, after every single pick, criticize who was in front or three spots behind, but the bottom line is uh, the way things felt, the fact that the Falcons uh, only moved up once using a, a draft pick they got in the Julio Jones trade, um, to get themselves a pretty good defensive end, uh, I think they did pretty well. And now it's a wait-and-see game over the next three years. The guys they got this year, the guys they got last year, the guys they'll get next year and see what the Falcons look like then. And home team, when you think about the depth, you talk about, you know, you look at the draft, you talk about, you know, Arnold Ebikiti, you talk about Troy, you know, Anderson, you talk about D'Angelo Malone. You got some guys that cannot just play the linebacker position, but kind of multifaceted, especially when you're trying to be able to say, I want guys that can do multiple things, not just brush the pass over, but can also drop in the coverage, can also stop the run. Talking about how much they benefit from having two second round picks, two third round picks. Yeah, I think they came up with a, a, a great deal of value, Ben, and you know, you, you look at guys that can do multiple things, but also at the end you look at uh, the dogs that they, they picked up in, in Justin Schaefer and in, in you know, John Fitzpatrick. Those are two guys, basically, that could help an offensive line block, and then Fitzpatrick, even though he didn't catch a lot of balls out of Georgia, Brock Bowers was catching everything. Um, you got a guy who can also help you in the receiving game, so you know, Schaefer can play multiple positions. Uh, I think run blocking and receiving Fitzpatrick can help you. So even offensively, uh, they came out with some guys that, that can do things that the Falcons need right now, which is to do more than one thing and let the offense, the defense, and the coordinators and coaches see exactly what it is that they had. Home team, Brandon Leak joining us here on 3 and Out. They get Desmond Ritter there in the third round. 
Uh, home team, is Desmond Ritter a quarterback of the future? Is he a guy they think could they could develop into a backup? What was kind of the thought? I know people thought, hey, maybe you get a quarterback early or you look ahead to 2023 since you've got Mariota in place and maybe choose from a larger pool of quarterbacks. What was the, the, the thinking there with Desmond Ritter? I think it goes to what we just talked about, guys who have multiple roles with the organization. I think Desmond Ritter is one as well. Uh, he could be a guy that you develop with a third-round pick. Uh, he is somebody that, you know, he was a winner in college. He, he generated 115 touchdowns. You look at his passing and rushing TDs in college. He was able to help, uh, you know, his team get there to the end. His you know, last couple of seasons, you know, he ran into the University of Georgia and he ran into the University of Michigan. So not too bad, uh, you know, putting a team on your back and trying to be there at the end. And then you have the wait-and-see game with him, too. If he comes out in training camp, he has a good grasp of the offense and they feel comfortable with him being number two. Marcus Mariota does not have a history of playing in the entirety of a season. Would he be ready to come in this year and you get a look at him? Or... If next year, if this year the Falcons don't do well and the Falcons are in a position to get, you know, a C.J. Stroud, they think it's a better quarterback class, then with them being selected in the third round, I don't think there's anything wrong with you taking a quarterback next year if you think that's the guy that can win you a Super Bowl. So I think Desmond Ritter is like everybody else. He's got a shot to be a starter. He's got a shot to prove that he can play, and he's got a shot to see if he can help the Falcons win. And if he can do that, take advantage of his snaps and opportunities, who knows? Maybe he could be the guy who's a late round pick, like Russell Wilson or Jack uh, or Dak Prescott, who have been able to prove that you don't have to be a first or second rounder to be a starting QB. Home team, when you think about a guy like Terry Fano, it's not like he had the most money to deal with going into free agency, as well as when you talk about the draft. Just talk about it overall, because I look, I I, I group the draft with the offseason additions. I mean, or you know, when you talk about guys, you know, like Lorenzo Carter to add to a linebacker slash defensive end. You talk about Alden Tate at the receiver position. Just talk about how he was able to maneuver, because when you don't have a lot of money to deal with, that's why you're gonna see a bunch of guys signing a bunch of one year deals. Right, exactly. They're still in the they're in the final stage of the bumpy road with Matt Ryan's contract that all of the restructuring and kicking the can down the road finally ends this year. So you weren't able to, you know, do everything that you wanted to, but you mentioned names like Lorenzo, you know, Carter. They've been able to, you know, find sneakily to to put in some uh, uh veterans in the secondary and they're guys that are gonna be on one year deals. But I think ultimately uh, they needed to find a mix of veterans that, that could play and wanted to play and also be able to hit on the draft and be able to find three starters. I think they found their starting wide receiver in Drake L- London. I think Arnold Ibake, uh, I'll just call him AK, is what his friends call him. Um, and then you got Trevor Anderson, your linebacker. Um, those three guys could be starting. And so you might have gotten yourself three starters mixed in with guys on one-year deals. Damian Williams is a running back as well. So um, you might be able to put something together to keep the, the, the car on the road uh, until reinforcements arrive with the help in more than $130 million in cap space starting next year. And yeah, that'll be awfully uh, awfully nice. Home team Brandon Leak joining us. They go running back late in the uh, in the fifth round. And today Mike Davis uh, gets the see you later. Uh, are we trying to get to the – Here's what Arthur Smith wants at running back. How do, how do they feel about that position? I know there was opportunity to get running back potentially earlier in the draft. What do you kind of make of the subsequent moves we've seen now post-draft? Well, I think Arthur Smith made it clear over the weekend that 
no one in the running back room was safe, that it was certainly going to be one of the positions that was completely up for grabs as far as reps, as far as the ability to find out who your starter was. You know, Mike Davis Hayden is such a great guy, a local kid from Atlanta, um, did a lot of work in the community, uh, but he's just kind of part of in the realm with everybody here now really on a one-year deal, and they didn't feel like they were getting the productivity. I don't think they want to have Cordero Patterson be the lead back like he was last year. I think they want to be able to use him as a weapon, and he's better suited to play wide receiver. So even if you're throwing him screens and uh, getting some stuff behind the line of scrimmage as a wide receiver, you can do that without him taking the punishment of a running back. But um, it was clear that they want a little bit more production. They want to run the ball. They want to be able to get into the red zone, and then they want to be able to score once they get into the red zone. And unfortunately, they didn't think that Mike Davis was a part of this long-term solution. Kyle Pitt, 6'6", six, six. Alden Tate, 6'5", you know, uh, you know, uh, Drake London, 6'4". I mean, these guys are these guys are essentially saying, look, we want a certain type of receiver if they're going to be out there. I mean, Cordell Patterson, I mean, he's 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, it's not like he's small. What – what do you think when you look at when you look at the receiver position, uh, you know, a uh, home team, a team like Atlanta, they're saying, look, we want to have big guys on the perimeter. How do you think it's going to benefit a guy like Marcus Mariota, especially when you got a guy like Drake London who every time you watch him, he ain't really separating, but seem to be winning them 50-50 balls? I think it's beneficial to whoever the quarterback is. Uh, the guys that might be vying for a position this year, a rookie quarterback that be coming in, that could be coming in uh, this year, or – a quarterback that could be coming in next year, that you have guys that have huge catch radiuses and guys that fight for the ball. That was one of the reasons why um, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot were so high. They could have taken Garrett Wilson. They could have taken Jamison Williams. But the bottom line is I think what we're witnessing is the metamorphosis of the Falcons uh, over this draft in the last year as well, You know, going from Julio Jones and Roddy White and, you know, Harry Douglas and these, like, these guys that can really get down the field and supposed to be really explosive to maybe a more smash mouth, you know, we're going to fight for every single yard. We can throw you underneath, and we might not be throwing, you know, 12, 12 bombs a month, but we certainly can score when we get in the red zone because these guys are big, and no matter who the quarterback is, you can have an opportunity to throw the ball to them and be successful with whatever you put either underneath or down the field. Home team, your estimation. Obviously, this is just two drafts, uh, and this is a team that was in a tough spot financially and got some rebuilding to do. But how important is the evaluation, I guess, post uh, draft with how these guys develop and turn out? Given that last year, really, Kyle Pitts was one of the few draft picks that actually played uh, a lot and, and contributed in, in a big way. How do you kind of watch Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith with how they drafted and how these guys continue to develop as Atlanta Falcons? Well, they were, you know, dead last in running the ball, and so running the ball a little bit better will be something. But I think it's going to take a couple of years. I just think we're kind of in a holding pattern and need to be in a wait and see. Um, you know, you got some guys. I mean, you know, I, I think Trevor Anderson, a lot of people were thinking, oh, my God, if, you know, N'Kobe Dean was still on the board, how could you not pick him? But this guy, and not just, you know, with local reporters, if you look at some of the things that national writers have said that this guy – might be one of the biggest steals in the draft. I mean, you got a linebacker in a 3-4 scheme that's 6'4", 235, who was the fastest linebacker at the Combine and holds the third fastest time uh, in Combine history. I mean, you might have gotten yourself 
a monster at the linebacker position. You throw in the fact um, that you got Arnold uh, Ibakati, and he might be a monster coming off the end. If you got two guys, plus Drake London, by the way, is now the odds-on favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year out in some of the, the, the gambling sites, if that's your kind of pleasure. Uh, they have the opportunity, if these guys hit, to maybe turn the corner really quickly. And the good thing about it is everybody will be able to see because with the wide receivers they didn't take, the players from the University of Georgia they didn't take, uh, the defensive ends they didn't take, and the guys they chose to take, it's going to be right there for everyone to see whether the Falcons picked the right players and did the right thing. And home team, I know it's always going to come back to the defense, defense, defense. I mean, you're getting three guys, you know, you're getting three guys, uh, you know, in the draft. You talk about Lorenzo Carter. No, everybody was talking about, you know, Sauce Gardner. And, uh, you know, you talk about uh, Derek Stingley Jr. that went three and four. How much is Casey Hayward, T's Tabor, two guys coming over, uh, veteran guys are going to be able to hopefully sure up that hopefully that, that second cornerback position and maybe even that slot cornerback position? I think that's huge. I think, you know, hey, we're back there with a- a- A.J. Terrell would be fantastic. And, you know, again, you look at all the players, Lorenzo Carter, uh, Casey Hayward, you look at the guys coming in on, on short deals, they're going to have to play their best. They're going to have to ball out so that they can get a big contract the next time down the road, either with the Falcons next year or with someone else in the NFL. So you might be able to get some really good production out of some guys who have one more chance to show they can get a major contract. So this is a it's a very interesting time, I think, for the Atlanta Falcons. I think if anything else, you should be intrigued if you're a Falcon fan. I don't think anybody can say that they blew or lost the draft. You know, sometimes the draft reveals itself three or four years down the line, but I just think they got a lot of value. I think they got a lot of good players, and we're just going to have to see if they can stay healthy and be all of the things that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith think that it can be. Home team Brandon Leake, host of home team in Hamilton there in the ATL. Home team, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right. You guys take it easy. We'll do home team. Brandon Leak joining us there, 6A, the fan in Atlanta, as he's co-hosting home team in Hamilton and talking about that Falcons draft class, Ben, where he said got some good players. Now it's time for Arthur Smith and company to develop those players and get them comfortable in that system. We'll come back. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here at 3 and Out. Kevin and Ben here on this Monday. We'll get to more draft coming up in just a little bit. But the Braves lose two out of three to the Rangers. Uh, ben, the Rangers in last place saw a, for whatever it's worth, this early on. The Braves have had the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball for what it's worth. Thus far, they are a few games under 500, but huge couple of days here for the Braves. Four games in three days against the New York Mets in the Big Apple, starting with tonight's ball game and then a doubleheader tomorrow. The Braves need to get back to Kevin just being comfortable. It's not as if uh, the Braves aren't playing good enough baseball to win. It's just, hey, man, look. Baseball, the most successful team just failed the least, uh, if you want to look at it that way. I will, I do think that uh, having Ron Lacuna Jr. back definitely brings like that, that extra jolt of energy and enthusiasm back to the ball club. But you got the win series. I mean, the old Bobby Cox, you just got the win series. Baseball, you got the win series. You got the win in your division. That, I mean, that that's the recipe for success in the bigs, Kevin. But, look, whether it's been the easiest schedule, I would beg to differ. I mean, I, you know, but at the end of the day, get back to you anyways, Kevin, that doubleheader. Let's please get this out of the way. I can't stand to see him. <laughs> yeah, we got to take three around the corner. We'll take a deeper dive where the locals go in the draft, where the Jaguars do. We'll look at their draft 
as well. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio. Also streaming live, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back. Hour two of three and out on this Monday. Well, hey, a lot of draft picks going. Certainly, as soon as the draft's over, undrafted free agents going everywhere. A lot of local guys in the draft. And after the draft, we'll get to that uh, coming up in just a little bit. We'll take a deeper dive then at the Jags. We know what they did at number one. We know what they did at the end of the first round. What did they do with the rest of that draft? How is it going to work out uh, for Jacksonville? We'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. But it is 4 o'clock, so we will do one thing. We will take three here on 3 and out. If I can get the blasted music to play, here we go. Take one, Ben. Which team? Well, you got to do this the day after the draft. So straightforward. Which team? Had a best draft weekend. Uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles, and this is why. The Eagles get Jordan Davis, right? Big time pick. They get N'Kobe Dean in the third round, right? Two former teammates. They get A.J. Brown in a trade. Like, if you think about it, right? Okay, this Eagles team going to have to compete in the in the, in the vaunted NFC Beast East if, if it's going to go back to those beast days, right? Well, you know that Dallas, you know, Dallas is going to be the team, you know, you know, they're going to be the team to beat because of what they bring back. The Washington Commanders aren't a real football team here. They don't even got a real football name. And then when you talk, I mean, and then when you think about the fact that, uh, you know, the Giants, I mean, while they did really, did get better with guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, I'm going to say, Kevin, it's something we say. I can add a centerpiece in Jordan Davis. I can add the best linebacker in the draft, regardless of how people feel, in the Kobe Dean. And I get A.J. and I get AJ Brown to add to the receiving core that has Devonta Smith, that has Godere, that has Jalen Rieger, you know, that has, that has I mean, I mean Jalen Hurst. They're going to hurt people. So Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, AJ Brown. I'm gonna say the Eagles had the best draft, but I mean, hey, at the end of the year, a lot of a lot of teams really, really got better. But you add you adding a top, a definitely top ten receiver in a trade, give me them Eagles. Yeah, it was easy to say that the the Eagles had the best draft. Or easy to say the Jets rather had the yeah, best draft yeah. because the Jets had like four thousand picks yes. and had three in the first round. I'm like, I'm sorry, if you have three first round picks <laughs> and your name isn't mentioned with having the best draft, yeah. everybody should yeah. be fired, yeah. right? I mean, every single person. I will say, you know, the Ravens especially early. Kyle Hamilton slipping. Yes. You get Ojabu uh, in the second round. You got Linderbaum, who's uh, the best it, center yeah. in the draft. I mean, the best center in the draft. You go back up to get him. I mean, you are. Ravensing the draft, oh, yeah. as, as people like to say. You get, who was it, uh, Ray called us uh, on uh, Friday and said, I want the Falcons to get Travis Jones' defensive tackle. Nope, the Ravens got him. Ray was like, sorry, I mean, and he so, looked like a Raven, built like a Raven. He is a Raven. So you were able to go out and really, uh, you know, do a number in this draft and get some guys that I think, I mean, Isaiah Likely in the fourth round. Great tight end. I, I I really think the Ra- I'm gonna say the Ravens just to be different from you. I say likely is a, a quality pick to go. I mean him him and freaking Mark Andrews was the first team All Pro in 2021. I I just think that Kyle Hamilton is built to be a Raven. Like he, he listen, he's big, he's fast, he loves to hit, he's rangy. Yep, sounds like a Raven to me. And, be, and Kevin, you talk about Linderbaum. I mean, you getting the not the best center in the draft for a quality pick. Yep. So at the end of the day, the Ravens are consistently winners because they go out there and draft well, and they get great guys added free agency. Watch out for the Ravens, and not possibly. I mean, I know, I know the AFC West is going to be serious, but that NFC North, I'm sorry, AFC North is going to be serious as well. Shout out to them Ravens. All right, Ben, take two. Which team had the worst 
draft weekend. <sighs> and nobody will claim this because like, oh, we love all the guys we took. Oh, we love them. Yeah, it's New England. You think so? I, yeah. Listen, it's, it's nothing against strange, right? It's nothing against offensive tackle strange they got. You could have got anybody, right? And I think that's the thing about New England. They don't care. New England's picking in the first round because they couldn't what, – wouldn't nobody get the pick. I mean, Kevin, in the break, I'm, I'm going to show you when, he, when they called this young man. And I just want you to see from, 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 from Bill Belichick to freaking, you know, uh, Robert Kraft. It's like this. Hey, how you doing, Strange? Congratulations. <laughs> it, it was awful. It was awful. Like, it's, like, like, think about this, Kevin. Look, Kevin, you're a baseball guy. You coming up in the thing. You go into the you finally made it to the mind. You finally made it to the to the big leagues. You get drafted by the Braves, right? Old Snit, old Alex Anthopoulos. Hello, yeah, is this Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. Listen, man, I'm I'm about to get on this helicopter, man. But congratulations, okay? I know. Hello, I'll call you back. <laughs> it, it was it was crazy. It was crazy because this is the thing, right, Kevin? The first round is supposed to be. Hey, dude, we trying to go out there. We trying to get the best player available. And I'm not. They do their homework, but but when it came through, we was like, huh? It was like no fan. People was like, nah. like when, when Mel Kiper said this. Listen, before you guys go crazy, let me just let me just tell you. Shout out to the young man. He's the highest draft ch- player from Chattanooga since they won Terry Owens in the third round way back in 1996. So that was a big gap in between. But I just think that for me, Kevin, New England, they never they don't go best available. They don't go best on the board. They trust. They that go building. with who they like. Yeah. yeah, they go. They go with that. So because no one saw that coming, not even strange. I mean, when the number pull up on the phone, it's like this saying New England man. Is this a telemarketer? Pick it up. <laughs> Hello. So I'm gonna go with the pages only because when they finally, you know, they got Mac Jones last yeah. year. They get Strange this year. I I, I would go with the page only because yeah. it was just out of left field. Happiest guy other than Mister Strange was his agent. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, I'd be expecting third round maybe. With the twenty. Cha-ching! <laughs> Cha-ching-ching. Pick it up, pick it up. Hello? Pick it up. They just send the letter, they just send your name in. Pick it up. I mean, I I, I could I could go with that again in these in, with the case of being different. I'll say the Carolina Panthers. You got Iquano, which is very good at the top. And not, and I'm not I'm not hating on that pick. Great, great pick. But then you follow that up with Matt Corral. Is that the quarterback that's gonna put you over the top? No. And again, and again you're in the situation kind of like Atlanta where you're like, well, you gotta have somebody. Well, like Okay, you you have Sam Sam Darnold, I guess. I mean, you try to come. Was Matt Corral going to get it done? And then you say, okay, we did get a tackle to protect our quarterback. You then go linebacker, defensive end, O lineman Cade Mays out of Tennessee, former Georgia player in the sixth round, and uh, Kalen Barnes, a cornerback. So you have you didn't really help your quarterback out too terribly much. Whoever it's going to be, some defensive guys. Some offensive line depth in the back end of the draft. And, you know, okay, you did get a tackle. I'll give you that. Uh, linebacker, even in the fourth round or so, line draft was pretty deep with running backs. I know you say, well, we got McCaffrey. You do. He stays hurt. But, well, that, that was going to be my point. Yeah. He, 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 what do you say? He can't help the club in the tub. Oh, no. He, the, no, no, no. Before he uh, got that cheese, he's a thousand yard rushing. Thousand yard receiver, he get that cheese, it, eh. <laughs> and, it, and it happens, it happens, right? I mean, but I, but but I mean, but but you gave him. I, I'm not even saying you need a starter uh, at running back, yeah. but at least a secondary option. Yes, you need, a number, back, you need a number two in a draft that was full of receivers. And I'm not saying again, you did not have a second round pick. I get it. It was a long time in between picks, but this draft was deep at wide receiver, deep, a two deep. guy, a yes. three guy. Yes, you didn't you didn't address that. Either. So I'm going to go with Carolina Panthers. 
lackluster. as having the the worst draft. Yeah, lack very very lackluster. And I, like I said, I mean, I I just think that we talking about a Carolina team that you want you want to make a splash. If I got my quarterback, yeah yeah, you get your tackle because I got my I don't have a quarterback yet. I don't know who my quarterback gonna be. Baker Mayfield still has a house in Cleveland. I don't know why because he ain't gonna be he ain't gonna be playing now. So we'll see what happens with uh, – maybe they still going to make a move for a guy like Baker Mayfield. We'll see, Kevin. But, yeah, Carolina Panthers drive was very, but very – But if you wanted to make a move for Baker Mayfield, why are you getting Matt Corral? I, th- I, think, what you, I, think, I think what's going to happen is this. Like, no, Cam Newton had the whole – we're coming home last year when he came back to Carolina. It was, it was much to do it – was, it was, listen, it was, a cel- <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a celebration more than it was anything else. He gets out on the field and the truth comes out. Then it was P.J. Walker. Then it was Sam Darnold, right? Cam, Cam Newton is no longer there. P.J. Walker is a solid backup. I think if you can – I think where they're doing it, they let Sam Darner go through training camp. Obviously, you got Matt Corral. After training camp, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, uh, or before training camp, I think Cleveland's probably going to cut Baker Mayfield. And then you can get him for the cheap. Maybe you bring him into Carolina. Maybe you make him compete. Who knows? I don't, I don't know if I see that working out uh, any better than some of the other guys they've had. And they're right, moving along, Ben. Take three is Desmond Ritter – the quarterback of the future in Atlanta. And the Falcons took him uh, third round there on Friday night. I would say yes, and this is why. The, th- the, th- the, thing, the thing about a guy you know, like Desmond Ritter is this. He did it the hard way in college. Let's face it, we're not checking for the Cincinnati. We're not checking for Cincinnati anything that's not the Bengals or the Reds. Let's just, call, let's just call it what it is. You look at how he made his trek through college football, just playing you know, just in a very, 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 very good conference. Right, very, very decent conference. Then they beat, they add Notre Dame to the schedule. Check, right? They add Georgia to the schedule. Almost beat them. They add Alabama to the schedule as well as the college football playoff, right? Didn't beat Georgia, but, you know, but uh, lost, lost to Georgia by a field goal in the Chick fil A, I mean, uh, you know, in the Peach Bowl. Then you think, then you think about, uh, then you, then you think about um, a team like uh, Alabama uh, in the college football playoff. Nine. He was one of nine uh, draft picks. So, yeah, Kevin, I do think he's a guy of the future. I think. What happens is, right, Marcus Mariota, uh, you know, Felipe Franks, uh, you know, any one of those guys, they're replacing Matt Ryan. And I think we're going to see in 2022 just how much Matt Ryan meant to the team, not just offense. You don't believe me? When Dak Prescott got hurt two years ago, we saw just how how regular that, that offense was without him. Zeke couldn't get it done. No, it's got, so I think what happens is, Kevin, got to give a time at the quarterback position because the same thing we say, we used to get disappointed with Matty Ice because he can make all the throws. Now we're going to be saying, oh, Matty Ice would have made it. Matty Ice is gone, right? Hey, Freddie Freeman's gone, right? The two icons gone within a matter of what? A month or so of each other. So I think that what it is is, Kevin, Desmond Ritter, if you give him time, because they're giving him some big body receivers. Kyle Pitts, I could throw to him. I mean, we'll see what happened with Alden Tate. We'll see what happened with Cordell Patterson. We'll see what happened with Drake London. But do I think he's the future? Yes, because if I can get depth from if I can get depth and production from him in 2022, I can let go of those. Because no matter what with those quarterbacks next year in 2022, 20, I'm sorry, 2023, we don't know what they're gonna become now. Come on now. They're gonna be headliners. This this year was not about the quarterback, Kevin, 2023. Just get your popcorn ready. We're gonna hear about the quarterbacks all year, no matter what they do. But if you can get him already on court, Kevin, you know what it's about. If I already got him in the building on my squad, getting acclimated to the league, seeing what it's like to go up against a starting defense every year, because he's gonna be the help, uh, he's gonna be the help quarterback for the defense all year long. I'll take Desmond Ritterman, because at the end of the day, he didn't go first round, but when they were talking about the first round quarterback, maybe a fringe guy, he was that fourth guy. 
It was supposed to be Malik Willis. It was supposed to be Kenny Pick who went first round. It was supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, it was supposed to be um, uh, Matt Corral and obviously Desmond Ritter. Didn't go first round, went third round, but I, I think he could definitely be the guy for the future for the Falcons. See, I don't know. I, 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 I could be wrong. I was also the guy that's saying you should have drafted Matt Ryan back in the day. Yeah. But I, 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 I when, it, when it happened, I was kind of like, hmm. Not that it was a bad pick at the time. I was like, just how does he fit in? Is this a guy that you see as a starting quarterback? Or, I mean, if things go bad, are you putting him in there instead of Marcus Mariota, or are you just riding with Marcus Mariota? It just depends. The whole it just depends. It's, well, I mean, okay. I, I, I'm just saying, I, I think if it comes around to something what uh, we talked about with Brandon Lee last hour, was if one of those quarterbacks, if you're in a position to get one of those quarterbacks next year, are you probably going to take one? You could, yeah. Over Desmond. Well, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. So Desmond Ritter, I, I, I see Desmond Ritter as being a very nice quarterback that could come in and, and play a backup role and be a guy that if the starter goes down. Is he, is he, is he, a, is he a Kirk Cousins type quarterback? I think, he can, I think he's a guy, and again, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I think he's a guy that at the National Football League could give you a five, six game window where he'd be pretty good. Is he going to be a 17 game guy? I, I, I don't know. There are guys that, you know this, man. Well, I mean, yeah. there, there are guys that can come in and for a five, six game uh, stretch are pretty good, and then the league kind of watches the tape and yeah. says this is what he does. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. then know, it kind of tails off from there. But, I mean, yeah. I think he's a guy that could carry you in a five- to six-week window. I don't know if he's my week one to week he's 17 not, not, starter. Dude, that's, what, my, what, that's my opinion. What I mean, you're really saying is, too, though, can Desmond Ritter be the face of the Falcons? I don't I, – I, and I'm going to say no. Because, because, because to me – that's the thing about a franchise quarterback is more than just being the starter. Are you the like when you thought of the Falcons, you thought of I thought of Matt Ryan like for a long, and that's taking nothing away from Julio and Roddy White, you know, and Michael Burner Turner and the list and Tony Gonzalez and the list goes on and on. Matty Ice was the face of the franchise for over a decade. What four? What twelve? What fourteen years or something like that? So now you're going from that to, hey man, we got to start over. Yeah, what do we want our quarterback to look like? Because this is what you don't realize. Whoever becomes the face, that's how you have to draft, too. I got to get a quarterback that's, that's similar to him, you know, for a backup. So, I, we'll see. Kevin. I just think because of the school league. Listen, Boston kind of like you said, Kevin, because of who – you didn't like getting Maddie Ice because of who was coming out around him. That, that draft was loaded when Maddie Ice came out. I think the thing about Desmond Ritter is this draft class, as far as quarterbacks, weren't headliners. We tried to make them that. Kenny Pickett goes first round. Malik Willis, Matt Corral, those guys, they're going in the third and fourth. So I think for me, you, you go out there and let him see because we're going to learn a lot about him in the NFC South. That's obviously Tampa and New Orleans right now. And, and you know, Atlanta trying to fight and scratch and claw for Carolina to not be the, you know, bottom feeder. So we'll, we'll see what happens. If it all goes south, you will be in the top five next oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're well, we, we talking a bunch of trash now on the show. I mean, what, two days removed from the draft. If they in the top five, Terry Fontenot, you know what to do. Get you one of them boys. Get you, get, get you, get you. Because, Kevin, it's like we said. You drive by the lot when you can't afford it. When you could pull in the lot and you rubbing your hands together. Kevin, I thought you said you ain't one with Shut up. That was last year. Came up on some cheese. I'm going to try to get one of these. There you go. Hey, we've got, let's take three. We do it every day at this time. We've got so much more to get to. We'll look at the Jags. What they did in the draft, look, a lot of locals in the draft, several signing uh, post-draft, some undrafted free agent uh, contracts. We'll get you up to date on what happened with those guys throughout the draft weekend. This is 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Draft is in the books for 2022. Uh, Ben, we talked about the Falcons and what they were able to do. What about uh, Jacksonville? A lot of talk about Trent Baalke. 
what they could do. Doug Peterson comes in, obviously, as the uh, the, the head coach there. How much say-so did he have in the draft process? They go Trayvon Walker, who some people say, hey, great pick. Some people say, hey, maybe he's the best athlete in the draft, maybe not the best football player uh, in the draft bin. We can, we can debate that. They then trade up to get Devin Lloyd. They address offensive line uh, in the third round, getting Luke Fortner out of Kentucky. They get a linebacker, uh, Chad Muma out of uh, Wyoming, who a lot of people think might be an interesting pick out of the, uh, the draft, a guy that can uh, play inside and, you know, you get – Another guy in this draft, you got two guys that you feel like can play outside out of uh, on the on the roster. Now you get a guy to handle inside with Foyer Aluakun and now Chad Muma. You go Snoop Connor, Ole Miss. You get a running back uh, late in this draft, fifth round. Uh, Gregory Jr. is a cornerback out of Washington Baptist, D2 player, and Monteric Brown out of Arkansas. So by and large, BJ has uh, advocated as a Jags fan the, the, the KISS method of drafting. Keep it simple. Don't try to find, you know, Nebraska-Omaha players and turn them into all pros, right? Georgia, Utah, Kentucky, Wyoming, Ole Miss, Arkansas. One reach maybe uh, out of Washington. And again, that's not saying he's going to be a bad player, but yeah. obviously the odds are stick with the big conference guys when you're trying to build your franchise, and yeah. more likely than not, those guys uh, can pan out. But overall, you look at the Jags draft, Ben. We've, we've talked ad nauseum about Trayvon Walker. How do you feel Jags did rest of the draft? trying to uh, to get their roster back where they feel it needs to be. I mean, from a perception standpoint, I would give them like a C. From a realistic standpoint, Kevin, I would probably give them like a C minus because like you said, I mean, when you're drafting guys, right, and, I, and I, this goes back to the scouting department. I mean, obviously we're in the media, so I don't know the ins and outs. But it's like you said, I mean – you got a you got a linebacker out of Wyoming. Now, Wyoming was a, was a, was a really really good team last year, but when, I, when I'm trying to get linebackers, I mean, I'm I remember the play. last guy you hated on out of Wyoming. Yeah, think? yeah, I will say I didn't leave the Wyoming boys alone. You know, what I'm saying? That, 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 that Mr. Smidgen under six five been balling ever since. But I, I think, but it's like you said, Kevin. I mean, sometimes we want to hear guys that we've seen play that we know. Like, I mean, and the Southeast has a plethora of good football players. And just just take away the SEC for a second. You still got the ACC. Right, you still got the Sun Belt, right? I mean, you. I mean, look. I mean, you. You, you got a. You got a plethora of great football going on right now. But I think what happens is bigger than the guy you get. It's how do they fit the, the locker room? How do they fit in what you're trying to do scheme wise? Because they want. They want. They want quality character guys. Because another thing that's not talked about in the National Football League anymore is. I'm tired of getting my. I'm tired of having my phone ring after hours, man. Cause you got some nonsense. Cause that that's what really hurts your team. When a guy is on the injury report and he ain't injured, he or he, you know, breaking news, he's suspended for some odd game. So I think a lot of that goes into it. But Kevin, you know, like I say, I mean, I, when I listen, when I see a bunch of Utahs on here and Wyoming's, but then it's coupled in with Arkansas, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Georgia. Now I will say this. I saw a lot of Nicobe Dean last year. He's an incredible linebacker. Devin Lloyd out of Utah. My, my Florida Gator played Utah first game of the year, and I am so happy. Because when I went, I said, please let Devin Lloyd be going pro. Because this kid can play, like, big-time player. But I will say this. Trent Baalke is a guy who they obviously trust and trust in their franchise. Sure. This entire group will be judged on Trevon Walker. So even if those guys around him do well and he does it, they're gonna because Kevin, you know, you're like you the number one overall pick. I don't know if you can live up to those expectations. It's really, really hard to do. But Trevon Walker, he played on the best team in college football in 2021. Played on the national championship team in 2021. 
He might he might have been the most. I don't even know if he was athletically. He's the most freakishly gifted athlete. He wasn't the best player on that defense. That's Nicole Dean. He wasn't the most impactful on the defense. That's Jordan Davis. White Quay Walking, you know, and Devontae White and those guys, all they, they all went first round. He went number one overall. What scares me about Javon Walker is this. It's not that I don't think he can play. Kevin, when's the last when Jadavion Clowney went number one overall, nobody batted an eye. They go, oh yeah, that that he was the best player in college football his sophomore year, but because of uh NCAA restrictions, he got to be in college for three years, right? When Julius Peppers came out, and he was the number two overall pick. Nobody better than I, right? Because these guys were not just great football players. They were first-team All-Americans. They was all-conference. I mean, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that these, these awards aren't kind of, you know, kind of biased, but I've never seen a number one overall pick that was never anything other than a national champion. Wasn't, a, wasn't on the award list. Wasn't, a, wasn't an all-conference player. And the thing that people say, well, being, and people say, well, he had six sacks this year. The number one overall pick had six sacks? Yeah. And wh- what the world – In 15 a, games, by yeah, the way. So it's, that's – No, no. It, yeah, 15 it's getting games, closer and, to and an NFL season. 9.5 in three years. People that get enamored about what he did athletically-wise at the Combine, don't, shouldn't that translate to who he is? Like, I, and once again, I am happy for the young man. He could probably go out and be incredible. But 6'5", 2'75", 4'5", career sacks. And guess what? He got singled every play. He's not getting doubled because you got double Jordan Davis every single time he's out there. He got Nicole Dean behind him. He got, he, got, he got signed behind him. He got Quay mm-hmm. Walker. You know, so I think what's, what's scary about taking a Javon Walker is the potential, and the potential got to be – it ain't what you saw on tape because, Kevin, you've watched enough football to know. We, if I say, oh, man, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know uh, D. Slay, you know, out of Brunswick, out of Brunswick High, you go, oh, dude, that – I remember him in high school. Like, I saw the potential no matter what school he went to. I just think what scares me is, for Javon Walker is, he he has to be a headliner now. Sure. He, he, was, he, was, he was a feature piece on that Georgia defense, but, I will, you know, it takes Well, I think what will help him is you have on the other side. Josh Allen. The yeah. other Josh Allen. Uh, do, I, I thought they – Devin Lloyd, great linebacker. You put him with Foye, Aluica, and then Chad Muma. I think – then it's going to be a situational linebacker for them. Like, they want him to come in and do one thing really well. I think they want him to – your job is to go towards the line of scrimmage, young man. That is what that is what you are doing. Uh, so, uh, Fortner, we'll see. Obviously, they need some offensive line help. Is that a guy that can help solidify the interior? You you did work with your tackles uh, here in the offseason. Uh, I, I think you did some work with your guards. You addressed the middle portion of your line in a draft. Snoop Connor. Again, I thought running back would be like an insurance play for for the Jags because you have James Robinson, and of course you're hoping Travis Etienne is what you drafted yes, him to be yeah, uh, coming yeah, off injury. And yeah. Snoop Connor, I mean Snoop Connor out of Ole Miss, yeah, out of that system, they didn't really necessarily have to feature him. You had a running quarterback, yeah. uh, with him, and most people were concerned with the spread. He's a good running back. I'm not don't get me wrong, but yeah. I see him as more of like an insurance piece. And obviously, when you're talking sixth, seventh round guys on defense in the cornerback spot, I think they were drafted to be backups because you feel pretty good about what you have uh, there at, uh, at on the back of the defense. So all in all, I think they did okay. They certainly addressed needs. I, course, I will say of that course, yes. uh, they they certainly addressed needs and try to get themselves uh, some depth. I don't know if I'm necessarily blown away by any pick. Mm-hmm. I, I think your C grade is good, which means they did okay. If people think, oh, you gave them a C, that means you think they suck. No, C means average. Means they did they did an okay job. They didn't do a bad job. They just didn't blow me away with with what they did. So I think that's actually a, a good kind of thought 
uh, for for Jacksonville yeah. this draft. They did okay. Was it anything exceptional? Maybe not. I, I think Devin Lloyd's going to end up being a really good player, but it wasn't you know the most spectacular draft. But it wasn't a t- one where you're going. I mean, I've seen some Jags drafts now where you get a lot of guys. You're going, why? Why? How many diamonds in the rough are they trying to get? You know, I mean, I, I remember those days when you had Shaq Harris as a, as the a GM, and you'd go through the draft, and it was. You didn't draft a, 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 a P5 player in a draft. Yeah. And you're going, I get it. We, every draft guy. But Ben, you know this. Every draft guy in the room is like, I'm the smartest guy out there. Any guy that does talent evaluation, and I'm not saying it's a bad trait, but everybody that does talent evaluation wants to be the guy that said, I saw it and nobody else did. I'm the one that, I'm the one that found you know, uh, Matt Ryan. Oh, and that's he's first round pick, so maybe you can't do it. But I'm the one that found Tom Brady. He's sixth round pick. I knew he was going to be good. Did you that? Okay. But I mean, there was a time when Jacksonville was drafting guys, you're going, look, I get you can find diamonds in the rough, but let's stay out of the rough. Exactly. Let's go, let, why can't we go hunting the diamond? Yeah. And the whole diamond in the rough thing is this, man. It's almost like this. Look, um, <clears throat> they weren't looking for a diamond in the rough, people. That's, the, that, that's a phrase. I, I, I'm. I'm looking for something, to go, and I go, that, well, what is that? And then I pick it up. I say, Kevin, come over here. And then we wash <laughs> it off, and I go, is that what we – like, yeah. it's not like – no, 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 people. No, you kind of no. got lucky with yeah, it. You yeah, you don't yeah. find diamonds in the rough. <laughs> that's not where you find a diamond. But I will say, once again, 20, the 2022 draft will be, will be paired with the 2021. You're going to see – because this team doesn't have double-digit wins in back-to-back seasons combined. So you're picking number one to draft in back-to-back years because the team has gotten much younger. Your starting quarterback is 20, 20, 22 years old. Your starting running back is going to be 21, 22 years old. You know, I mean, your tackle, I mean, your, your, you know, Jawan Taylor's what, 24, 25? So this team is riddled with a bunch well, of 25-year-olds. Then I, I, look, I look at it this way. With what you did in free agency, you helped out Trevor Lawrence at the wide receiver Absolutely. position. Absolutely. In the draft. In tight end position, it, yes. Yeah, in the draft, you gave him maybe a backup center, maybe Fortner develops into a starting center and a third running back. That's what you got him in the draft. When you're talking about young playmakers – that's what you got your franchise quarterback coming off a three-win year in a draft. We went out and spent money on guys that, and I'll leave it up to other people to say, you spent money on guys who have never been number one receivers mm-hmm. before, paid them big money to go out and catch balls from Trevor Lawrence. And in the draft, you gave him a third-string third running back. And I'm not saying Snoop Connor is a third. I'm saying as currently constituted, you have James Robinson, you have Travis Etienne. I don't see him beating either one of those guys out yet. So he's a third-string situational running back, and you got a center. That's it. Everybody else was to help out the defense. We'll see. That defense had better take a big step forward in 2022, Ben. Uh, Otherwise, you are putting an awful lot on uh, Trevor Lawrence and those guys you brought in in free agency, paid him a lot of money. Some would say overpaid. But guys you brought in in free agency, and you again, a deep wide receiver draft, you didn't take a young wide receiver that you could develop. And I get why you would be gun-shy doing mm-hmm. that, but you did not do that. You did not go tackle in a draft that had a lot of them. You did not address a, a, a guy you could develop into a number one, anything like that. You did get a center. And running back, you got him a third option. You didn't go get a feature back. You didn't go get a, hey, this is a guy, a James Cook, that could catch it out of the backfield. You got a third option uh, at running back. I don't know how many snaps. Like, and that's it. That's all you did in the draft as far as helping out your franchise quarterback. I'm saying, I don't know if you could do that again next year oh, if no. you're Jacksonville. Otherwise, Trevor Lawrence is going to say, did I, did I change my name to Aaron? Oh, I'm about Aaron to say, yeah, I'm about to say, 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 say,
Evan Ingram and guys like that. But again, I know Ingram's what on a short one, deal. One year deal. So yeah. I mean, some of this stuff is Hopefully like you better hold the way he gets a multi-year deal. You talk about Christian Kirk. You talk about Zay Jones. You talk about the holdovers and Marvin and Marvin Jones. You talk about the holdovers and Levesque Chanel, who's still on a on a rookie deal. I just think that Kevin, look, they're going for it. Like, if I'm giving my second year quarterback a bunch of veterans in the, I mean, in the, in the offseason, that means on the offensive side, that means, hey, man, we believe in you. We're giving you a tight end, first-round pick. Christian Kirk was a second-round pick. Zay Jones was a complimentary piece. LaVisca Chenault was a second-round pick. Marvin Jones, he came over from Detroit as their premier receiver, their number one receiver before they let him go. So they're giving him a lot of, and they're hoping that, like you say, Travis Eaton with James Robinson. I mean, so I do think they're going for an offense. Does that lead to more wins? I don't know. But, Kevin, the perception battle on any team is this. Can you score points? They prove they prove they prove they can if they can prove they can score points, that means they can be in all these games. Don't mean they're gonna win it because you still outside of Josh Allen, you got a lot of unproven guys that are gonna have to go out yeah. there and get it. You're gonna it need done. some of these guys on defense, as you said. Uh Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, yes. really have to come in and yes. make plays relatively early. We got more to come. A lot of local flavor in the draft. We'll tell you about some of that when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio on Twitter. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and live video streaming, Facebook, Twitter. And YouTube, you leave your comments there. Love to have you here on 3 and Out. Great to have you back on this Monday. A lot of local flavor bit in the NFL draft this past weekend as uh, the, the draft takes place. Several guys uh, drafted uh, there uh, into the draft. Kevin Harris out of Bradwell Institute and South Carolina goes in the sixth round to the New England Patriots, who Ben said had the worst draft in the National Football League, back in <laughs> back in take three, but Kevin Harris, big bruising running back, got a lot of carries there uh, at uh, at South Carolina. Going to move on and play for Bill Belichick. Going to play for the goat. Here we got so many goats. We're going to open a petting zoo. But going to play for the goat <laughs> uh, there in New England. Myjay Sanders, who we we've talked to on this program, super duper, super duper happy uh, for that yeah, young man. He man. comes uh, comes out of Camden County, goes to another, Cincinnati. Another, yeah, another Cincinnati boy, and uh, he went in the third round to yeah. the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And we had a bunch of undrafted, uh, actually in the seventh round, Tariq Carpenter out of Long County uh, in Georgia Tech. Goes sixth round to, or excuse me, goes seventh round to the Green Bay Packers. So there were some of the guys uh, that we had uh, drafted. A lot of undrafted free agents uh, out there. Calvin Turner out of New Hampstead via Hawaii. uh, Accepted workouts, invitations to the Ravens and 49ers. So, Ben, obviously that's a, hey, come to Kent and let's see see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Demetrius Robertson. Former five-star wide receiver signed a deal with the Seahawks. Of course, he is Savannah Christian to Cal, then to Georgia, then to Auburn. Yeah. Now signed a uh, undrafted free agent deal with the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Shabari Davis, great story uh, there with him. Ben Groves to junior college, where he went to. He played. He played high school in Garden City. Went to junior college at Garden City uh, Community College then transfers to Southeast Missouri State and gets an undrafted free agent contract, uh, obviously, after a couple more years with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So congratulations to that young man. A, a great story following his trek. Contre Mosley out of Glen Academy via Kentucky uh, goes uh, to the Cowboys. And Zacoby McLean out of Auburn via Valdosta goes to the Ravens as well. So uh, fast and furious, Ben, and that's one of those things we've heard about, uh, you know, more and more as the draft gets you know, more and more coverage, people will say, well, why don't you want to go in the uh, in the seventh round? Well, if I'm an undrafted free agent, I can go where I want. I can, I can pick my franchise to try to catch on. And uh, we got uh, someone saying shout-out to Georgia Southern's Daryl Baker Jr., free agent, undrafted free agent deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Congratulations to that young man. But, uh, Ben, 
speak to that freedom. Obviously, you were a drafted player, but free agent-wise, you were able to move around. What about these guys that go sixth, seventh round versus, I mean, there's the prestige of being drafted. Yes. Obviously. But if you're that late in a draft, is there some thought of, hey, if I'm undrafted, I can actually pick the situation I think might be best for me uh, to give it a shot? Yeah, I do think uh, having some having some freedom. It's always a good thing. Look, the goal is always to get drafted, as you mentioned, Kevin. But if I'm if I'm a fringe player, I mean, if I'm gonna be a late seventh round pick compared to being a you know a guy that because I will say this, well, people ain't watching. Some of these undrafted free agents are getting some nice uh, some nice signing bonuses because some of these guys are getting rewarded for you know the type of players they were. Some of these uh, <clears throat> some of these organizations are very 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 surprised that some of these guys are going uh, you know going undrafted. But look, shout out to all of these guys though. I mean, I'm just saying, my J. Sanders, a guy that we seen Kevin four years ago at his sign today, uh, goes off to Cincinnati. You're talking about Kevin Harris, led the SEC in rushing uh, a couple of years ago, six-round draft pick, going to the Patriots, Demetrius Robinson, as you mentioned. You know, go to Cal, to Georgia, to Auburn, now undrafted free agent, going to Seattle. You're talking about Shabari Davis. I mean, I'm happy for every last one of those guys, Kevin, because this is the thing. The draft means opportunity. That's all it means. Anybody outside of, I want to say, maybe – the first three rounds, right? So from fourth round to seventh round, you're gonna you're gonna have to really go out there and compete for a starting job. Or, well, not even for a starting job, but job uh, period. Yeah, for a job <laughs> period. Because I think what we get well, the thing about the draft that we don't do is we don't do a follow up. So you got two hundred fifty some guys drafted, a bunch of free agents, opening day. How many guys are on opening day rosters? And I and not even necessarily the forty something, the forty six that dress. Or did you make the 53? Did you make the practice squad? Well, you're going to be surprised because people will go, wait a minute, you telling me they'll give somebody a, a signing bonus and let them go? Yeah, they they saying congratulations. This is what you, you know. They, like, do, they do it all the time. Mike, Dave, Mike Davis was on a two-year deal, played one of them, and the Falcons said, see you later. Exactly. So I will say that every last one of these guys have a unique opportunity. Kevin, a lot of these guys, we're talking about the Kevin Harris's, these are guys you not just watch at soccer, guys you covered in high school, so you really covered them from high school to college. The pro, and I think that we talk about the nine one two and just how how many guys come from this area. I mean, it's unique. You talking about Tariq Carpenter? You talking from Long County? Goes to goes uh you know goes to uh Green Bay? You know coming from um coming from uh Georgia Tech. So I I just know how prestigious it is because just know this: for every guy that hears his name call or somebody call his phone, it's a bunch of guys that don't. The draft came and went, undrafted, drafted or not. They're saying, "Hey, man." They're talking to USFL coaches, XFL coaches, Canadian Football League coaches. Uh, you know, um, you know. So I, I just think that when you when you arena league coaches, because having more variety, the, the NFL is the creme de la creme. I ain't, I'm not taking that away, but it's a very very small window of uh, of opportunity that comes with. So people go, I thought he was gonna get you. No, to get to go and undraft the free agent. Sometimes I want to see how it looks. I want to get in the camp. I want to go to these facilities. I want to see these colors. I want to shake hands with these owners and these GMs and these presidents and these head coaches, assistant coaches, because, Kevin, sometimes you got to see it. Like, the thing about sports is this. You can lie to a bunch of people. You take your behind out there and see it, and you come back, and, and then your, your wife or your girlfriend or your mom and dad go, how was it? You going, look at me. I, I ain't going to make it. Why? <laughs> and, and that's just being honest because I will say this. I played with a lot of guys that didn't make it in the league, but they said, Troop, I can appreciate walking away if I've had a chance to experience it. 
Because certain guys, man, I'm, like I said, man, it's it's a very, very hard. It's like trying to get caught up in the majors in baseball. You talking about rare, 30, 30 times 25, 26, what is that? When you got, you know, the, the Savannah Bananas and the Jumbo Shrimp and the Green Jackets and all these. So I will say this, fellas, if you don't make it on the team but you only get to go to camp, congratulations to you regardless because there are a bunch of players who won't even get a chance to say they got a chance to do that. Yeah, and again, good luck to those guys. Absolutely, again, if absolutely. If you got the undrafted free agent status, you are get, you're getting a chance to go out there and, uh, and show what you can do and, and, uh, and see if you can stick there through the process. So congratulations to those guys, and again, uh, good to see Southeast Georgia represented there on draft weekend. We've got more to come here. It's three and out. Hit us up with your thoughts. Falcons fans, your thoughts on the draft. How do you think Terry Fontenot and company did maneuver through this thing? 912-342-7184. More to come here on this Monday afternoon. Ben, we've talked a lot of draft on the show. I wanted to get your thoughts about Malik Willis going to your Tennessee Titans because we talked about uh, you know, guys sliding to Kobe Dean. Malik Willis was regarded by, I don't know how many, but at least a fair amount of people as the number one quarterback on the board. He goes in the third round. Uh, how surprising was that, and how do you think he fits the the bill there uh, in Tennessee? I would assume Ryan Tannehill's days might be coming to a close, maybe not this year, but soon in Tennessee if you go quarterback there. And a guy that I think they're, if you're Tennessee, you're probably putting the same memo out that the Falcons were hey, we think we got a first-round guy in the third round. Well, well, you still took him in the third round. What, what's kind of your thoughts there? I mean, I, I like uh, I like the pick. I, th- I think it's going to be a good fit. I think sometimes, Kevin, is the power of the hype train known as all these uh, sports networks. All we saw was Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Malik Willis, right? Sometimes it's not so much where, where you got picked, but where you landed. He's in Tennessee. And let's just go ahead and call it what it is. Tennessee, right, they tolerate Ryan Tannehill. They do not celebrate him. What does Malik Willis have at his disposal? He has a good defense. Check. He's in a city like Nashville to where, Kevin, while they're in the, while they're in the National Football League, they're not, it's, not a big, it's not a big market city. So he can just go and develop. It's not like New York or L.A. to everything you do is so scrutinized. No, no, it's fine. I, I was up there even though the city is much different now. He has arguably the best running back in football to hand the ball off. He has one of the best offensive lines. He gets a first-round pick of Traylon Burks out of Arkansas that they could develop together. He's in the AFC South that they are bought, they are miles away, the best team in the AFC South. Even with Matty Ice going to the Colts, and even with I don't even know who in the hell uh, Houston <laughs> got. I mean, I think, you know, I, mean, I know they got Damian Pierce and uh, uh, Derek Singley Jr., but that's the cornerback and the running back. They gotta have a quarterback, and then and then uh, and then you talk about Jacksonville. So I believe Malik Willis landed in a good spot because Ryan Tannehill needs to know that the clock is ticking for him. He needs to know that, hey man, we we you we tired of saying you I right. <laughs> we tired of saying we can't. Cause think about this, Kevin. This was really sealed sealed it for Ryan Tannehill. Playoffs, best best record in the AFC. You get Derrick Henry back. You know he's not gonna be at one hundred percent. The first play, the first play after the thing, throw a pick. First play out of the kickoff. So Malik Willis, nice spot, good city. Go out there and compete. Might have a chance to start this year. We'll talk more draft coming up in the final hour of the program. Also leading up to Braves and Mets. Big three days here for Atlanta. Four games in three days with the Mets. Mets already six up on Atlanta. So a big one coming up tonight to get that series started. We'll talk about that in the final hour as well. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Final hour of the show here on this Monday as we count you down towards Braves and Mets starting a, a big series uh, here tonight and a doubleheader tomorrow and a day game on Wednesday. So four games in three days. Got to figure out a way to get some uh, some dubs here if you're the Braves. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But coming off the draft bin, a big weekend uh, there as the Falcons and Jags. We've seen everything from A through F uh, for the Falcons. You know, the same you'll, you'll see for Jacksonville. And every other team out there, ah, well, they couldn't draft anybody right at the end of the day. Give me your grade as we'll, we'll look at the overall of the draft in a minute. But give me your grade for Atlanta. How did they do? Drake London, you can debate, but they went DN linebacker. I got a quarterback, got multiple linebackers, and then the last uh, couple of picks in the draft, I got running back and some offensive pieces. Uh, a couple of guys out of Georgia, Justin Schaefer and John Fitzpatrick, to help them out. All in all, how do you think the Falcons did? What they need? Mm-hmm. What they needed versus what they ended up with? I think I give them a B because, like I said, you got, with so many holes to fill, Kevin. You saying to yourself, "Okay, I got to get better. I got to get younger. I got to get cheaper. I got to get more depth all at once." Okay, you t- you start you start you start with a guy you know like Drake London. Drake London was going to get drafted in the first round no matter what because five five uh, receivers went right behind him. He gives you he gives you height. It was never about his playing ability. It was about his health. I mean, with being hurt most of the year, he still had, he still had almost ninety catches and, and almost a thousand yards with double digit touchdowns. So you got six five, you, you know, you got a sense of Florida. Then you talk about Troy Anderson lineback out of Montana State. I know he's good because of where he played. If you're talking about his second round pick coming out of Montana State, you know the guy that did their homework on him, and for what I've seen, he's a workout warrior. You, you talk about Desmond Ritter. Now you got your quarterback. You got a guy that had a first round grade that 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 burst onto the scene the last couple of years. Kevin played in the college football playoff, played 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 Georgia in the Peach Bowl a year before, and was able to go out there and play extremely well. So I think you added depth with a guy a guy behind Marcus Mariota. I mean, then then you start talking about the fact that you get you get to D'Angelo Malone, you know, linebacker from West Western Kentucky. Look, you want to be able to have the, the linebacker position is extremely important, but they have to be versatile. They have to be. It should be LB slash OLB. They got to be able to be versatile, rush the passer, stop the run. Uh, you know, uh, you know, steal the edge. And I think, and I think you added that with that. Now we just seen today, Mike Davis got released by the That's team, right, yeah. starting running back. You talking about, you know, what I'm saying Tyler Algier, running back out of BYU. It's not, it's not sexy. I get it, but quality depth, right? Quality depth. Devonta Freeman was a late round pick. When he got drafted to the Falcons, you saw what he was able to become before he left. Then you start talking about two Georgia boys. You talk about Justin Schaefer. You talk about John Fitzpatrick. John Schaefer, Justin Schaefer. You know if you play offensive anything, offensive line of Georgia, you are interchangeable. I can play guard. I can potentially play center. I can bump over to the tackle if if need be. And obviously, John Fitzpatrick adds some depth to a guy for a guy like Kyle Pitts, for which we know we can do catching yeah. the ball. You know, so I do. I give it a B, Kevin, because at the end of the day, let's call it what it is. It's the Falcons. It wouldn't matter what the Falcons got. People are going to say, oh, my God. Well, I understand that. Yeah, I mean, so, But I will say, think about it, Kevin. They needed a quarterback. You got a quarterback that was supposed to have a first-round grade. You just got him in the third round. That's depth. You said, what did they do with those two, two second rounds, two third rounds? You added a quarterback, and you added some linebackers. So what they did in free agency, they went with the offense. Um, Tate, you know, you talk about Cordell Patterson, you know, was able to bring him back. You know, you added, you, you know, you, you added some depth there. When you talk about – they say, okay, what needs to be developed? The defense. All right? So in free acing, you got Casey Hayward, you got Tease Tabor, you got Lorenzo Carter. What you give them, you give them other linebackers. Deion Jones, we've been saying this. Will the real Deion Jones please stand up? I don't know what's wrong with Debo. He hasn't been the same player since he signed this deal. Grady Jarrett, while good, he's not the biggest D tackle. So they're going to make their plays 
with a Lorenzo Carter, he can show these young linebackers, hey, man, I'm here on a one-year deal. So I'm bringing you in to be veteran leadership, groom these young guys, but also lead the way. I think they did a – I think from what the Falcons had, no money in free agency, a bunch of one-year deals to guys like – I think I give, I give it a solid beat. And obviously we got to wait to see how they end up. But I, I, think the I, one think, that, yeah. I think the one that hurts everybody – I say hurts everybody. The one that got everybody fired up was Drake London because people looked at all the wide receivers that went and they said, you started the run. Yep. You being the Falcons, and you had the choice of any wide receiver on the board, and you took Drake London, obviously whom logic would tell you that that was their highest-graded wide receiver on the board, right? That was their highest-graded wide A lot of people say, why would, why would you take a guy that's catch-radius, 50-50 ball guy over a guy that can blaze and run routes and get open? I, I think that's how they're going to – and, again, everybody's judged on their first-round pick. I think that's how people are going to look at this one and say – uh, Drake London, hopefully you work out. And probably, uh, if you're a Falcons fan, you really want to look at that second pick, uh, Ibakite out of uh, Penn State, and you really hope that guy can play. Oh, yeah. Gra- another, 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 another player that was a that was, yeah. a, that was a late first, early second round uh, grade on him. Absolutely. Go to uh, over to Jacksonville. They had a number of picks. Now, they used their picks to move around a little bit. Uh, they bumped up, got Devin Lloyd back in, in the first round. What do you give them top-to-bottom grade on, on how they did? Obviously – a team that won three games, their stated goals. Trent Baalke, we are not drafting number one again while I'm here. Doug Peters, like, we, we should not be drafting number one again. Did they do enough in the draft to help them get away from that? No, I, I will say no. And it starts at the top. Look, I like Javon Walker. Javon Walker probably has the biggest upside in the draft. Javon Walker is probably the most freakishly gifted athlete in the draft. Javon Walker is the first number one overall pick that did not make an all-conference team, did not make an all-America team. When you go and check out his stats, it says this. Freshman All-ACC, National champion. And he played on a defense that was about as good as we've seen ever, Kevin, when you go when you talk about the history books. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, you know, Quay Walker, Seen, you know, uh, Wyatt, and, Wyatt and company. So, for me, I, th- I think – and then, you, now, Devin Lloyd, let me tell you something. This kid out of Utah is lights out good. This kid's good. How do I know they drafted back up until the first to get him? They wanted to be able to get him. Now, I mean, Luke Fortner, from, I mean, uh, from Kentucky, good pick. Really, really good pick. On an offensive line, Kevin, that we were saying, look, I mean, Cam Robinson, you re-signed him, you know, to a, to a one-year deal. They're trying to work out a long-term no, they deal. Did get, they did get a long-term, they did get a long-term, long-term yeah. deal. Then you talk about a guy, you know, uh, you, you'll see what you got at Jawan. You know, uh, you know, Jawan Taylor coming out of Florida because he was, he was kind of in and out of the lineup. But you got a guy that's versatile. Now, Chad, Chad Mooma. Chad Mama out of, out of uh, Wyoming. I stay away from messing with the Wyoming dudes because last time I talked <laughs> about a Wyoming guy, you see what he's doing. But then this is what you talk you know, Snoop Snoop Connor out of out of out of Ole Miss. I think you make a good point, Kevin. Is Snoop Connor good because it's good? Is he good because of the scheme? Because that scheme that Matt Corral and, and Lane Kiff was running at Ole Miss didn't feature him. We'll see how he adds depth. I mean, you talk about Greg. You talk about Gregory Junior. Cornerback. You talk about you know uh, Monteric Brown. You know, cornerback out of Arkansas. I think they got better, right? I think they got better. But I will say, when they had as much draft capital as they had. I mean, DeJuan, I mean, Devin Lloyd, you're talking about Luke Farton. I mean, uh, you know, Chad Moomer, I think they got some good picks. Not as not as good of a draft as I thought they would have had because you're drafting at the top of every round most. I'm drafting at the top, you know, first pick in the draft, top of the second round, top of the third round. Well, they gave that up to move back into the well, first yeah, round. But, yeah, so, I understand that. But, but, I, but... I, give, I give it a C, Kevin, because I think at the end of the day, I think Drake London for, for, for Atlanta, he's going to pan out because we've seen – we we talking about – uh, Kev, you talking about catch radiuses. Well, he's 6'5". 
That's a pretty big catch radius. And every time we see them, we see them catching one-handers and uh, 50-50 balls to go along with Alden Tate, to go along with Fitzpatrick, to go along with Cordell Patterson, to go along with Kyle Pitts. The thing about a guy like Trevon Walker is, Trevon Walker has nine and a half career sacks at Georgia when Jordan Davis was was beside him and Nicobe Dean was behind him and Nola Smith be to the right of him. And, you know, and, and, and Quay Walker, guys, he has – Six and a half sacks. How many sacks can he get when he has to generate pressure without having a dominant D tackle next to him? That's got you got to look at. I'm known by the company I keep, right? So if my company is getting let, is getting, I don't care what D tackle he's gonna be getting next to. He ain't better than Jordan Davis. So we'll see what happens, Kevin. But I give it a solid C because Trevon Walker is the, is considered the number one, the best player in the 2022 draft. He's the headliner. I don't know if he's box office because the Bosa brothers they box office. Von Miller was box office. Right, uh, Chase, you know Chase Young was box office. Mika, you know uh, Mika Parsons, box office. These are guys that was winning defensive rookie of the year. Marshawn Lattimore, box office. Javon Walker was on the best team in 2021, had the biggest upside. We'll see what happens, but I just know that if I got to go from a guy to the guy, that's hard to do, especially when I'm going from college to pro. Now, Georgia ain't no slouches, but the yeah. AFC South is, is, is going to be a big, uh, big hill. Yeah, just looking at the uh, the draft again, SEC dominates. Uh, the draft, 65 total players drafted from the SEC. I think that's 16 years in a row the SEC has had the most players drafted into draft. 15 players from UGA drafted, even got the punter drafted. And I think uh, Christian said uh, every draft-eligible player for Georgia got drafted, except for one who is obviously Adam Anderson dealing with very serious legal matters yes, yes. Uh, away from the field. But every other player who was draft eligible, five, five first round 15 picks. of them all got drafted uh, for Georgia, and that is a new record to have 15 guys from one school eclipsing the old record, which was 14. I think that had been done twice. So you win the national championship, you're going to have guys drafted. But if you put it in perspective, that's nearly, and I know it doesn't work this way, but 15 guys is nearly everybody that started. Yeah. Right. And, 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 essentially, and, essentially, I know that's not how. And, and, to show you what, and, and the thing is, fifteen guys. That's essentially certain teams. That might be. I mean, certain teams. That might be three, four years worth of draft picks. In one year. Yeah. So, I mean, shout out to Georgia, man. They, I mean, listen, shout out to Georgia and shout out to, to Cincinnati. Georgia had fifteen. LSU had ten. Cincinnati had nine. Yeah, and Cincinnati, lot, yeah. Georgia had the number. Georgia had the number one player in the draft. LSU had the number LSU had the number one corner in the draft. Cincinnati had the second, had the fourth highest player drafted in the draft. Yeah. So you had a bunch of things going on. For I, the I will say group. it's interesting for all the and I don't know how many people would say that after what they did to Alabama. I say what they did, the way they played Alabama in the semifinals and, and the way they played uh Georgia the year before, people say, Oh, it's Cincinnati. What kind of talent are they go do they have? Nine dudes got drafted off that team. Obviously, they had something working there yes. uh, in Cincinnati. Ben, I know we've talked to you a, a lot on the show about guys that slide in the draft, and you hate when people say that and I, because you get drafted where you get drafted, right? I mean, it's not just to say you slid. It's not a guarantee to say just because everybody said you were going 10, that's where you were going to go. But you saw quarterbacks who were first-round grades. We talked about Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter. Uh, Falcons got Desmond Ritter. Slide into the third round. Yep. Nicobe Dean. As a football player, Ben, first-round talent, most people would say that watch Georgia week in and week out, that on a, obviously, with 15 guys drafted, a defense full of studs, he was the best player on that defense. Not the, not the guy that was the best because of everybody around him. He very well could be, but the best player on that defense 
N'Kobe Dean, first-round grade by a lot of folks. And again, during the draft, all you heard was, hey, there's some concern about the pec injury. There's some concern, which to me doesn't prohibit him from running. It may affect him tackling until it's fully healed. But fully healed, that dude is an absolute animal uh, at linebacker. Were you surprised that even despite, if you buy that legitimately as long injury concerns with N'Kobe Dean, that he went from a first-round talent into the third round? Yeah, it, it was shocking because I think sometimes – we talk about a guy like N'Kobe Dean, right? People forget the fact that, look, sometimes I'm going to play injured. Sometimes I'm going to play with some nicks. Sometimes I'm going to have to battle, battle through uh, some injuries to be able to go out there and play. What hurt N'Kobe Dean was two things. One, one is he cannot control. That's genetics. He's not the biggest guy you ever seen. But two, what really hurt him, Kevin, was his pro day. His pro day, I mean, it was, a bunch of, it was a bunch of reports that he was out there trying to run around. He didn't run a fast 40. Then it come to find out that his agent said he was he was hurt. Well, as as his agent, you got to make sure people know, look, man, if I'm not at my best, don't I mean, do it. When you, and when you're talking about my tape, you didn't have better tape. Outside I was going to say, just, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, just for, for that reason, before we go any further, if you are injured, why, for a player of that caliber, does that throw up more red flags if you just say, I'm not doing a pro day, I'm not doing a, a combine, I'm going to let my tape speak for himself? Would he have fallen as much? If he just said that, would people say, why don't he want to work out? I mean, it seems like a double-edged sword, but if you are injured, why would you go out there and say, I'm injured, I'm going to put up a time that's not represented? Because as you said, Ben, nobody's going to go, well, well we hand-timed you at 4-4 at back at Georgia. My coaches did. Well, you know, maybe a little quick on the trigger there. Well, I did. I can do 32 reps of, of 225. Well, can you do it now? Well, no, I'm in. So they can only go off what they see with their own two eyes, Ben, but – if you are N'Kobe Dean, do you look at his representation and say, look, if he's injured, don't do anything? Or would not doing anything hurt him even more than, than what it, apparently it did in this draft? I don't think it would have hurt him even more, Kevin, because at the end of the day, you're forcing him to just go back to your tape. You're using the leverage that you have. I think some, leverage is something that most of us will never, ever have in life. It's usually used against us, not for us. I think N'Kobe Dean, looking back on it, he's probably saying to himself, look, my tape speaks for itself. I'm jumping off film at you every time you watch Georgia. Every single week. Every single game. I'm the one getting up another guy's face telling him, look, man, you got to be where you're supposed to be. I'm not, I am surviving out there with giants around me. I am not even 6'5". Going up Jordan Davis, 6'6". Uh, Trevon Walker, 6'5". Quay Walker, 6'. But, but, I'm, but I'm the best player. I'm the buckets out of every linebacker. I know Devin Lloyd went, you know, went, uh, went first round. I know Jermaine Johnson, outside linebacker, slash defensive end, went first round. I'm the buckets award winner. Me. I'm an All-American. I'm a first-team All-SEC, and I'm a national champion. I don't know what else he can do. I think sometimes a guy like N'Kobe Dean possess. It kind of It's kind of like Malik Willis. I don't like the fact that I went third round, but I couldn't have landed in a better spot. I am in Philly to where I am probably going to start, right behind Jordan Davis, you know, right behind Fletcher Cox, with Darius Slay on the outside. He, he landed on incredible defense. This is the thing. I get it. Everybody wants to go as high as they can and make as much money as they can. You, you don't retire off your first – you don't retire or you don't – the generational wealth usually comes with your second contract. That's where your generational wealth really comes. I'm not saying that you ain't getting big-time money. But what I'm telling the Kobe Dean is he came to Georgia because they showed him a, a, a film of Roquan Smith. And that kid, Roquan Smith, went first round. Roquan Smith don't got the hardware that he had coming out of college as far as like the national championship. Now, Kobe Dean is 5'11", about 220, 225. He is a heat-seeking missile. When he hits you, you go the other way. This kid, 
He has it all. So I think he used it as motivation. It was, it was, it was shocking, Kevin. And just like the quarterbacks when the Kobe, because what it is is we get a front row seat with Georgia every week, whether you root for Georgia or not. They are going to be primetime on either SEC Network, ESPN, the game of the week, what may have you. Nicobe Dean, arguably, I can say this. The best player for Georgia in 2022 was probably Nicobe Dean. Right? That's taking nothing away from Brock Bowers. That's taking nothing away from Jordan Davis. That's taking nothing away from Quay Walker. That's taking nothing away from Nolan Smith or Stetson Bennett. If you take Nicobe Dean off that defense, they are totally different. Totally. So it was shocking, but it happens every year. But, Kevin, we're going to look back four years from now, and we're going to be saying to ourselves, look, man. I mean, if that dude makes, you know, and again, I know he you don't. don't even, type, type if he makes Pro Bowls and all that out of the third round, and you're saying he had a first round, that could end up being the steal yes. of the draft, yes. all because of a torn peck, which I'm not shaking off as nothing, but I would be more concerned if it was a defensive lineman, offensive lineman, where so much of your game is pushing and pulling and getting guys on you and off of you. I, I don't know if that's necessarily as much of his game as it is go get him and, and bring him down. And when that heals, how much does that affect his game? Uh, I know Christian said, well, there was a labrum deal and all that. I, I, I get it. Did that affect his gameplay at all last year? Did that affect what you were seeing on the tape? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I, I think, again, it was shocking to see him slide that far. I'm not saying everybody's guaranteed to be top 10, but you go through round two, and every single analyst out there is saying, this is a bona fide, not a, he was kind of there. No, bona fide top 20 talent in the draft, still sitting there in the third round, and team after team after team, just letting it go by. Team drafted linebackers. Falcons took two linebackers. Yeah. Jags took a linebacker. These are teams that have needs and couldn't couldn't make that decision. So I was kind of shocked by it. We'll see. Uh, certainly if you're the Falcons or Jags, you got the Eagles on the schedule. You don't want to be in that post-game press conference going, hey, uh, N'Kobe Dean had 12 tackles on your day. Oh, yeah, well. Falcons, Falcons, Falcons drafted three linebackers. None of them N'Kobe Dean. <laughs> I, 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 just, I just think that sometimes, though, Kevin, that's another reason why you're watching the draft, right? To see guys is going to slip. And you start asking yourself, but look, if he did all he did and he had a torn peck and he had these injuries, that makes it even more reason why I want to bring him in. You played that well? Injured? Yeah, I'm not coming out. All right. I'm not – listen, I don't I, I don't place too much of a stock when it comes to these uh, uh, combines because at the end of the day, if you could play, you could play. And if you watch 2021 Georgia – Nicobe Dean was everywhere for that yeah, defense. He's going to be on that tape real quick. We've got more to come. Falcons draft. They've made some moves post-draft as well. But where some of these guys fit in in terms of making an immediate impact? We'll talk about it next. This is 3 and Out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back, Ben. Falcons, you said a B uh, on the grade there. Uh, with what they did in the draft, and now you look at who can make an immediate impact. You're a team that's in a rebuild. You need impactful players, correct? I mean, you need guys that can come in and make a, uh, a difference. I think we talked about this last year's draft. How many impactful guys did you get? I think one, maybe two. I think you had uh, offensive linemen that kind of played a little bit. Most of the guys were very subdued roles. How many guys out of this class do you think are going to be impactful for the Falcons at the end of the day in year in year one? Uh, because there's developmental players even at the NFL level, right? Can they develop into something bigger? How many guys do you think day one step in? Obviously, a few of these guys could be starters, but actually make a tangible impact on the field from the jump. Um, I, I could definitely see I could definitely see Justin Schaefer potentially working himself into a nice little role, Kevin. Depending on how they want to uh, reshuffle the offensive line, I'm def- I mean, 
obviously Drake London, he, he's going to get an opportunity to be a, uh, an impact player. Really, so opportunity, but do you think he will be that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think he will. I, I think he will be impactful because the whole thing, and, and, and obviously every last one of these linebackers. I mean, Arnold, you know what I'm saying? Uh, be, uh, oh, I mean, I, I can't even say it. Ebikiti, I'm, 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 I'm going to make sure I get that thing right. Troy Anderson, as well as uh, D'Angelo Malone, because I think what they're trying to do is they're tr- they realize that they're trying to generate pass rush through linebackers more than defensive ends. So I want to have guys that are interchangeable. So I think all three of the linebackers get a chance to be impactful players because they, they are definitely trying to get younger. Drake London, to me, is going to have a chance to be the, the biggest impact player because you look, at, you look at Kyle Pitts last year, right? They were trying to show that, look, Kyle Pitts wasn't supposed to be the best receiver. We just didn't have much else. Like, we just didn't have it. So you think about a guy like Drake London. Kyle Pitts is obviously going to get a lot of attention. Cordell Patterson is going to be on the field at the same time as him. They're going to try to find a way to get all the Taylor Drake London on there. You're going to find a way. you Because one thing they're going to do, Kevin, with a guy like Drake London is they're going to throw him the ball, whether he's open or not. I have to see what I have in you. Every time I see you in college, you make a contested catches. Every time I see you in college, you're winning the 50-50 balls. And, you know, something we talked about earlier, the red zone. The thing about the Falcons is they can, they can move the ball in between the 20s. Get, get past the between us in the fringe zone, in the green zone, in the red zone, they get real stagnant. Well, Kevin, think about that. And Kyle Pitts was no impact in that, exactly. in that area Kyle last year. Kyle Pitts has never scored a touchdown that mattered in the regular season in the National Football League. He scored in London, and he scored in the Pro Bowl. Now, you got Kyle Pitts in the red zone. You got Drake London in the red zone. You got Cordero Patterson in the red zone. You got all the Tate in the red zone. That's 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", and 6'2". I'm sorry. Marcus Mariota, and you got Marcus Mariota. That's a dual threat quarterback. I think Kevin, the thing is, is Drake London can help generate points because he's got, because either who you're gonna double, are you gonna try to take away Cordell, you're gonna try to take away Kyle, you're gonna try to take away Drake. Can't double everybody. When you talk about those linebackers, right? You got you got three linebackers that can play in the scheme. That's gonna get groomed by Deion Jones. Gonna get groomed by Lorenzo Carter. They got a chance. And obviously, I mean, uh, you know, we think about Justin Schaefer. The offensive line for the for, for for you know for the Falcons. Let me just it was it, it was hard to watch last year sometimes. And I mean I I know I know uh I know uh you know Tyler, you know Tyler, you know uh Al Gear, he got a chance because Kevin, 32 teams in the league. Georgia was ranked 32. I mean uh, Georgia. Alabama was ranked I mean, Alabama. Uh, Atlanta was ranked 32 in rushing. That means my you know, Mike Davis, who just got let go, had a whopping. 503 yards in 17 games, and he was a starter. So I, I think, I think that, I think that, uh, you know, uh, Tyler Algier can definitely be an impact player. Justin Schaefer can be an impact player. Hey, hey, John, John Fitzpatrick can be an impact player because Hayden Hurst has moved on. He's definitely going to be a backup, uh, you know, to a guy like Kyle Pitts. So lo and behold, Kevin, you can be looking at. I mean, I'm looking at this list. What one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys could potentially be. Impact players next year for a team that's still trying to one find his offensive identity and two try to find a way to get off the field on third down. Football is about getting off the field on third down if you're on defense, generally, uh, you know, uh, extending drives on offense to put you in a position to be be in the red zone. Because I mean, I'm, I mean, we're talking about kickers now. You know, you still got Youngway. I mean, he got resigned. Yeah. He's really, really good addition. I mean, really, really good asset. So extending drives on offense. Generating points in the red zone, getting off the field on third down. I think you got a bunch of guys in this, on this draft class. Not, not to mention going to be groomed by some. Not to mention Tease Tabor. These guys are going to groom some of these young guys. I think, I think these, I think these guys this draft got a really, really good shot to be really, really impactful. The Falcons also cut Mike Davis uh, today. 
so much was made about Arthur Smith. I'm a, and maybe fairly or unfairly, because when you were in Tennessee, you obviously had a dude that is like that. That he was made in a lab. Like you don't find running backs that look like that, right? No, if you no. did, everybody would get him a Derrick Henry number twenty-two and just say, "Yeah, we're gonna have that uh, as our running back as well." So you just don't get that. And people said, "Oh, Arthur Smith likes to run the ball." And then you get Mike Davis. And I tell you, Ben, I showed you a picture somebody had of Mike Davis earlier today, and it's like, if you were a college football recruit, oh, like, look now. what our running back looks he like. He's got now. thighs like a Mack truck and you know huge arms. That's our running back. Unfortunately, he did not produce uh, in that manner. And Cordell Patterson, who is a wide receiver, hybrid running back, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Swiss Army knife guy, was the leading rusher on the team. Then you go out, you get a running back in the draft, and a couple of days after the draft is over, Mike Davis is now looking for a job. Uh, can this team actually be a team that uh, can, can, can run the football, Ben? And, and again, too many things on this team, you say they have nowhere to go but up. We talked earlier with, you know, home team brain league. Said the Falcons were dead last in running the football. We know what else they were dead last in? They were dead last in rushing the quarterback. Pressures, hurries, all those, all those statistics that really matter. So, you can't run a football, and you, which means you can't maintain possession. More likely, you know, keep the clock moving and move the chains. You can't. I mean, this is think about this, Ben. So you can't run the ball. You can't score in the red zone very well, and you can't get after the quarterback at all. Dead last in the National Football League. Nowhere to go but up. But those are I, I, you and I were joking about this. You you put all that out there, and you go, how in the world? Did the Falcons win as many games as they did? Yep. Can't run, can't rush the quarterback, can't pressure the quarterback, and you're horrible in the red zone. And you weren't picking number one? Come on. I mean, Matt Ryan did a heck of a job. salvaging <laughs> something, I guess. And maybe that's uh, credit goes to Arthur Smith and say, hey, you made a little chicken salad out of something there, buddy. Come on. Uh, so yeah. what what can they do with this group oh. uh, without Matt Ryan? And, again, you cut Mike Davis do you have a feel for what Arthur Smith wants to be? Because it seems like everybody's trying to pigeonhole him and say, I want to be the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. And well, that's not what they were in any no. stretch of the imagination. I think what they want to be on offense, Kevin, is they want they want to be teams that run the football, uh, the, 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 uh, the complementary football, running the football, and they want to get guys on the perimeter that are big. They want big guys. It's, it's like they say, what kind of receiver do we want? We want big, tall, lean, fast receivers. You know, we want 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'2". All right, that's height. Right? So what I lack in athleticism, I make up in height, wingspan, and catch radius. Right? What do you want to? What do you want to be in the running game? I want to be. I don't know there. I want to actually be there to be able to say if it's third and one, we can get it to extend drives. Right? We can run the ball on first down to make up manageable second and third downs. Not man, we just running the ball on first down and then we we behind the chains now on second and third. If you are on defense. You're trying to say we can get off the field on third down. A.J. Terrell, one of the top five cornerbacks in the league. You bring over a guy in Casey Hayward that's been an all-pro that's been an all pro caliber player. You bring over a guy in T.S. Tabor that's found his footing. So you got you got a slot corner and an and a, and a outside corner. And then you talk about, you talk about Lorenzo Carter because these guys are signing one-year deals. So Atlanta say, we believe in you. Not just enough for you to be around here after a year. I mean, who knows, Kevin? Can they make it? Because – this 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 Atlanta team that has no money in 2022 will be able to break the bank 
in 2023. What type of team do you want to look like in 2023? A team that's just giving out money, that's not going nowhere, or a team that's saying, hey, man, we got something worth, you know, coming to. So and, I, so well, I mean, and again, that's an interesting point, Ben, because I think watch what just happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars versus what do the Falcons do next year? Because it's one thing to have money, right? It's one thing to say we we have all this cash uh, under the cap that we can spend, but you got to spend it right. How do they go out? Because a, a lot of people accuse Trent Baalke. You're just throwing money at problems, right? Hey, we need receivers. Hey, Jones, here you go. Hey, we're going to throw Evan Ingram. Here you go. Throw, throw, throw some money at the problem and see what sticks. And I think you're the Falcons. You got to be very careful about that. We've got more to come. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you were with us. Counting you down towards Braves, baseball, Braves, and Mets starting a four-game series, four games in three days, doubleheader tomorrow. So we will not be with you on the show. We'll have Braves baseball tomorrow afternoon. But let's go to the phones quickly here post-draft. Let's go to Ray. Ray, thanks for listening. You're live here on three and out. Hey, guys. How y'all? Doing good. Good, good. Um, just just to comment on the Falcons and the draft and whatnot. You know, of course, these things don't always go, you know, the way we fans think it's going to go or even the experts. But, um, you know, they say a, a team takes on the personality of its coach, but it also takes on the physical form, the preferred physical form um, that the coach wants. And I think what we're seeing is what Arthur Smith wants out of the offense. I mean, he wants a, a quarterback with mobility. You know, and that's that's nothing against Matt Ryan, great guy, great quarterback. Um, but this is what he pref- this is what Arthur Smith prefers. You sign Mariota, and then you get Desmond Ritter. You know, if he wanted a guy to just stand in the pocket, he's got a an arm on him. He could have waited even later and taken Carson Strong, but that's not what he did. Um, when you look at the receiver group and everything, and Ben laid it out really well, all your skill uh, positions on offense, these guys got size. And I think what it is is Arthur Smith is going to go, you know what, we may or may not be the fastest, but we're going to come at you with this size and this physicality. You are going to work every single time. And it is, in my opinion, it is easier to add speed later than it is to add size and physicality later. You're either physical and big up front right off the jump, and that's what you're building, or you're not. And for the longest time, the Falcons have not been. You know, you had a guy like Justin Schaefer. Yeah, he's a late-round pick, but guess what? That guy's a mauler in the run game. Does his pass pro need help? Sure. But guess what? you got a mobile quarterback, and you got big weapons, which means who's getting jammed at the line of scrimmage? Tell me. Which one of, you, which one of these guys are you going to jam at the line of scrimmage? So they're going to beat you up all the way down the field. That's controlling possession, controlling clock, and controlling you because when the fourth quarter comes, you know, are, are you gassed from, from jamming some 180-pound wide receiver at the line, or are you gassed from dealing with a guy that's 6'5", 6'6", 220, 230, who's been beating you up all game long? And, Ray, I mean, even, even even to your point, when you think about a team like Atlanta, right, I mean, I think sometimes we don't appreciate, uh, you know, what was there. Matty Ice, you know, he, he plugged a lot of holes because he was asked to be – incredibly efficient since the time he got there 14 years later all right i mean it's because he's a he's a he's a 
He's a cap casualty. But you talk about a guy, Marcus Mariota, who's mobile. Talk about a guy in Kyle Pitts who's proven to be very, very reliable. You talk about Cordell Patterson. His best year in the NFL was in 2021. You add Alton Tate, 6'5". You add Drake London, 6'4", 6'5". You know, you add, you add uh, you know, a Fitzpatrick, a, a backup tight end. You got a chance to be really, really good and really, really young, which I think is going to be very, 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 very uh, you know, apparent for the eventual quarterback who could be in the building with a guy named Desmaretta. Oh, absolutely. And guess what? All of these guys are going to block. They're all going to block. That just makes you a physical team right there. Absolutely. Hey, Ray, we appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. And again, Ray makes great points. That is the That may be more the style that you want to see out of Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee is the, the physical beat-you-up football team and that is, I know people say you win games in the trenches. I mean, being physical and being the baddest dude on the block that wins you that wins you a lot of time. If you can do it consistently at every position there across the across the board, Ben. Well, Kevin, well, think about this, Kevin. I mean, if you if you've never seen the Falcons play, right, and then here it is, open the game of the season next year, and they offense run out there, you you know, you say, I ain't never seen the Falcons team. They go a, they go a six three six four quarterback. They go a six 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 uh, tight end. They go a backup six five tight end. Wait a minute, that go a freaking receiver that's 6'5". That go to other receiver 6'5". That go to that go to slot receiver that's 6'2". You think to yourself, is this the is this the Falcons or the Hawks? Because something that Ray said, at a certain point you go, I mean, who are you gonna jam? Like sometimes being big is a, is is at your det- to your detriment because dude, I want you to play how you look. Now I, now the, now the now the 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 fifty million dollar question, Kevin, is how fast is Drake London? We don't know, but. As long as you come down with it, you can live with it. But, yeah, I do think uh, Arthur Smith needs to really have an identity, uh, you know, type check when you come when it comes to year number two. Because right now, Kevin, forget the fact that we don't know how this Falcons team is. We don't even really know who Arthur Smith is at this point. Yeah, and, again, I think we'll see how some of these guys fit in. I think you need a couple of these guys to really make impacts right away off of this draft class. We're going to hand you over to the Braves and Mets Big Series, Ben. Come up here the next uh, three days, four games in three days for Atlanta. Tough roadie there in Texas. Did not uh, play particularly well. Lost two of three. I think offense still trying to find itself. You got a couple of guys who are doing it and a whole lot of guys who are trying to find it uh, there. And it's been hot and cold, much like it was a season ago for large portions of the season, Ben, where this was a team that could score eight, nine runs. And when they do that, they, they win a lot of ball games, And then they score one. And one, and and I don't know if this is a team that you feel comfortable winning a bunch of one to nothing, two to one ball games. I think this is a team you feel more set up to win a seven to four ball game or a eight to six ball game. Uh, and now you're going to one of the hottest teams in Major League Baseball. The Mets off to a great start. They got a six game lead over you uh, in the division. So these games, as BJ likes to say, count double. Even though it's early, big four game series. I think if you're Atlanta, you'd at least like to take two out of four. Two out of the four, three out of the four would be nice. Gain a little ground and kind of set that mindset early. When win the East, it still goes through Atlanta. You're not going to push us around Mets uh, and, and things like that. So I think this is a big gut check moment early. You got your ace and Max Freed going tonight, Ben. Uh, so a chance to make a statement a little bit. I'm not saying making a statement to Major League Baseball. Make a statement to yourself and, and to the Mets. Hey, you've been off to a great start. You still got to beat us. Still got to come out here and prove it. You're in New York. A chance to do it on the road uh, would be huge if you could get uh, three of these four uh, in the win column and a doubleheader tomorrow afternoon game on Wednesday. 
Absolutely, Kevin. Listen, you, you keep on talking about we keep on talking about the word identity. Right now, we really don't know who this Braves team is. We know who they could be, and that's based off what we've seen the last four years and the type of lineup they got now. You add Ronald Cooney Jr., you got Max Free. Treat it like a playoff game. Like, make no mistake about it. The Braves respect everybody in this freaking division because everybody's good enough sure. to beat you. The Mets good enough to beat you. Philly's good enough to beat you. Nats good enough to beat you. The Marlins have already beaten you. Right, so I just think that when you look at this Braves team, Kevin, is man, we have to establish our identity 162 times. I know that sounds crazy, but one, we need to show the rest of the division what they're gonna have to deal with, and two, we need to let them know that man, we ain't going nowhere. I know we 10 to 13 right now, and I know people are saying, "Oh, the sky is falling." It is fine. I mean, Scherzer and Degrom, you're not gonna find a better two tandem than that in the majors, right? But this is the same Braves team that everybody's chasing, Kevin. Because last time I checked. Only two teams in this division that won the World Series in the last three or four years. That would be the Braves and the Nets. Sorry, Phils. Sorry, Mets. Sorry, Marlins. So I think that for this Braves team, Kevin Mac, Max Free, go out there and show why you that dude. This lineup. Go out there and keep the momentum going. And Kevin, hopefully they can win this series. But you can't win. You can't win Game Four until you win Game One. Let's start off with Game One. Absolutely. And again, this is a team that I think you're seeing Ronald Acuna back, and I think the expectation bit is so unbelievable. Everybody, his first game back. Oh, he's going to go yard. He's going to hit a, ma- a mammoth home runs. No, just be yourself, uh, Ronald Acuna. And again, you talk about a guy that is coming back. He's seen a couple of weeks of minor league pitching and a couple of games of major league pitching. Did no spring training uh, at all. So it's going to take him a minute uh, to kind of, I think, really get back in that group. I'm not saying he can't go out there and produce, but I think just having him back in the lineup yes, has, yes. has been helpful. Yes. I think he's not where yes. he wants to be as yet. But look, I, I, I think this is a, a team that once they find, and we saw this from the Braves in years past, when they find themselves... They are a team that's certainly capable of running off 15 out of 18 uh, and really turning the season around. And, again, it is not September yet, so I know people are like, well, the Mets are already six games out. You don't. Every team goes through a slump where they're going to lose 8 of 10. They're not going to play great baseball. The Mets got off to a hot start. I've seen a lot of teams get off to a hot start, and then second half of the year, body gets a little tired, start to fade a little bit. So we'll see what the, what that has in store for the Braves. Max Freed. Chris Bassett, your pitching match tonight. We will not be here tomorrow, uh, Ben, because of the uh, the doubleheader, and we'll join you after Braves baseball on Wednesday. Appreciate home team Brandon Leak joining us here on the program. If you missed any of the show, ESPNCoastal.com. Go to our YouTube channel, at ESPNCoastal on YouTube. Subscribe, and every time we go live here at 3 now, you'll get that notification uh, each and every time. We will see you on Wednesday. Braves, Mets, coming up next. This has been 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.